raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Pretty entertaining basketball last night. We talked a whole lot about it yesterday. Two Big Ten road games for Purdue in Indiana. Purdue responds and delivers in the final minute with Fletcher Lawyer showing some pretty impressive resolve for the freshman. Um, was sad at halftime. Comes up and hits the game winner there late. And then in Iowa City, uh, Jake kind of insult to injury. You blow a 21-point lead, the third biggest comeback in the history of Iowa Hawkeye basketball. And Race Thompson suffers what Honestly, to me, it looked like an offensive lineman injury. Like one of those kind of roll up on the knee, did not look good at all. Um, and now Indiana, one and two in the Big Ten, and one of their more important pieces could be uh, on the men for quite a while. Kevin, I will begin this Friday morning with an admission and an apology. Um, I admit that I was wrong. That happened once in 1979. So I was going to say, this is breaking news. Um, Mark, do we have the sounder ready? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Thank I admit you. that I was wrong, and I apologize to Purdue basketball and their fans, and let me tell you why. You asked me yesterday, of the two road games, Purdue at Columbus, Indiana at Iowa City, which of the two teams, if one were to lose, that I would say has a better chance? And I said, well, at no disrespect to Purdue, I would say Ohio State because I think it's a better opponent and you're getting Iowa kind of at the right time. What I failed to consider, and my apologies to hail, hail the old golden black, what I failed to consider is that the bottom line is Purdue's a tougher basketball team. They have a tougher mindset. They have smarter players in the backcourt down the stretch. They make plays when the game's on the line, and they guard really well when the other team has a chance to win the game. And Indiana had some things go against it last night, no question. They got out to a phenomenal start, and Jalen hood Shafino played really well. Looked like a first-round pick, Jake. Yeah, no question. And, and Trace Jackson Davis played really well. And to be fair to Indiana, once Race Thompson left the game, it was difficult for Indiana because you could double down then on Trace Jackson Davis – and just kind of limit what he was able to do, and then he's got to kick it around the post. And you know they had they had difficulties getting Millicop open, but when it came down to it, Iowa was able to make plays that Indiana wasn't. I realized there was some controversy with Fran McCaffrey and Mike Woodson, and we'll play some of that audio. But Purdue down the stretch. So I'm not saying this is a knock on Indiana, realistically, but kudos to Purdue because Purdue was nails tough when it mattered. And to your point, it was a freshman that stepped up and made the big play. And Purdue was just really disciplined down the stretch. Two great basketball games, two different outcomes, I realize. But um, kudos to the Boilermakers. That's a big win. Could I add one more? to what you said there and you know kind of comparing and inevitably I think when both teams play on the same night both teams have road games you, you just kind of fall into the comparison um, so maybe it's a bit lazy but um, Purdue's better coached yes just freeze frame it the final 30-40 seconds of each game Purdue's down they're pressing Zach Eadie's on the bench so they get that turnover there late I think they were down one and Matt Painter lets his team 
like operate for the first five or ten seconds after that turnover, thinking, okay, can we get kind of a quick basket here, catch Ohio State off guard, a la almost 76ers Pacers from the night before. And when they don't get anything in that first kind of five or ten seconds, that immediate aftermath of the turnover, what does Matt Painter do? Takes a timeout, brings Zach Eady into the game, and as Matt Painter said afterwards, you don't always need your best player taking the final shot. You need your best player making the final decision. That's exactly what Edie did. They threw it into him. He dribbled one time. Ohio State comes with a double. They had Fletcher Lawyer on that side of the floor for a reason. And Fletcher Lawyer hits a shot that I think he will hit many times in his career. And now flip over to Iowa City, Jake. I use down one late. There's a long stoppage of play. Um, for, I think, a clock violation there late. So pretty much Indiana gets a timeout. And they inbound the ball the length of the floor. I think it was Jalen hood Shafino runs up, and they take another timeout. Like four seconds after we just had a full stoppage. And at the time, Iowa's in man defense. Iowa comes out of the timeout. Iowa can't stop a nosebleed. They gave up, what, 80-something last night? They go to zone. Indiana looks lost coming out of the timeout against the zone. They don't execute, and Iowa is able to complete that comeback. To me, you boil it down to end-of-game situations on the road in the Big Ten. Those opportunities do not grow on trees. Purdue, coaching, execution late. Indiana, not coaching, not execution late. IU now 1-2 and two in the Big Ten. Purdue now, um, is that 3-1 and one in the Big Ten? And uh, they've got Penn State coming up on Sunday. Indiana has Northwestern. And again, the Race Thompson injury situation um, did not look good. If you want positives, again, Jalen Huchofino, outstanding. Not only just his three-point shooting, but I brought up the assist turnover a lot yesterday on the show. Nine assists, two turnovers. First-round pick to me. And I don't know if that Tim Weaver fella fired Trace Jackson Davis up, but... 30-9 and nine for Trace. I know he's favoring that back at times, but you'd obviously sign up for 30-9, and nine, night in and night out. Uh, for Jalen hood I mean, you know, look, 6'6", six, six, he showed that he could start to get some shot from outside, and he's obviously got some good court vision. So God, he looked really he good. he plays like that, it's probably going to be uh, one year in Bloomington, either big transfer portal money or NBA money. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Good morning to you. It is a Friday. That's the really good news. Uh, Christmas light's still up on the circle. Mark, you're predicting how much longer? I'm telling you. The groundhog will, will or will not see a shadow before those are down. We now, get a speaker the of the house, Mark, before the lights come down or not? Oh, boy. I don't know. That might be even money yeah, right there. I need to go talk to Tony Katz on the break. Um, what's the name of the, the groundhog that unfortunately didn't make it last year? Milltown Mel. He <laughs> <laughs> some gambling debts he didn't pay off. <laughs> That's right. They didn't, they, and they didn't know about it, right, yeah. until they... Couldn't figure out why. Mark for the seventh straight year. Mark treats Milltown Mel with more respect than he treated my grandma. <laughs> this is true. Uh, anyway, candlelight vigil tonight at my house. By the way, for which Milltown one? Mel. Okay, uh, it is a Friday. Good morning to you. I'm Jake Query. That was Mark Dykton. You just heard Kevin Bowen here as well. It is Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Lot to talk about this morning. Greg Rakestraw will join us at eight o'clock. Then at 8.30, we're going to talk a little bit of Jim Harbaugh because they're... <laughs> How about that statement yesterday? Yeah, I mean, not only the statement, but I guess Michigan, they're sniffing around now, right? Yeah, some infractions. Yeah, we're going to have Austin Meek from The Athletic, who covers Michigan football, join us at 8.30 to explain a little bit more. Uh, for those that missed it, I Jake, I haven't chuckled that hard at a press release in quite a while. 
this is how it read yesterday. And again, Michigan football issued this statement from Jim Harbaugh. I'm aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. College and NFL teams have great interest in all our personnel, from players to coaches to staff. And I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I've spoken with President I think it's Santa Ono, which is quite the name, and Athletic Director Ward Manuel, and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach, Bo Beckler said, those who stay will be champions. Now, how many that stayed for Bo Beckler were champions? Yeah, Michigan, their national titles are not maybe as abundant as I think a lot of people think big, they are. A lot of Big Ten championships, probably. Um, that statement screams agent writ- written, agent hoping to get money for head coach, and yet the football program releases a statement that says, I expect, and while no one knows what the future holds. Right. <laughs> what? Well, Harbaugh's a unique dude, right? That's a unique statement. He's a unique dude. That didn't but, quiet any rumors in my mind. I mean, was, nothing. No. None of that does. That I mean, doesn't do anything. All that went out the window when Nick Saban sat in his little straw hat looking like Panama Jack at a Miami Dolphins practice and was like, I'm telling you guys right now, I am not going to Alabama. I have not talked to Alabama. So quit asking me about it. And then the next day, he's introduced as the head football coach at Alabama. That it right then it was like okay the charade's over for everybody. If you're Michigan, why are you releasing that? Yeah, it's not the best look. I, I think it's an awful look. Yeah, unless they just I don't know. I hand that back to Jim Harbaugh's agent. I say get I expect out of here. Get the while no one knows what the future holds Correct. out of here. That that statement has zero validity. Uh, commitment to 2023 it's i brought this up before it's like when coaches say i'm hopeful player x will play on sunday jake i'm hopeful to play augusta national in a couple weeks harbaugh is a lot like his brother-in-law tom crean and the fact that like if you if you watch tom crean on the sidelines that's kind of what harbaugh's mentality is like and he's a darn good football coach i mean undeniably and uh, by all account, from from my experience, a fun guy. I mean, a nice guy, but just odd. Just just a different dude. Remember when Harbaugh was Tom Crean's manager for a game at IU? <laughs> I think I do, do remember, remember that. that? Yeah. I think he had the khakis and 49ers shirt on, and he's setting up the chairs during timeouts, and he's handing towels to players, and... It was the highlight of one of the uh, the Thanksgiving. Games. John Harbaugh appears to be like the most just relaxed of those dudes. But um, the other big news yesterday, by the way, is that there's a lot to talk about. But obviously, good news from Buffalo. I think people are aware of it now. Demar Hamlin quote remarkable improvement, and I, you know everyone is well aware now of the situation. Mark, do we have the audio of his doctor? Yeah, talking about. And I want to clarify a little bit, at least from a medical standpoint, just of people I talked to yesterday, what some of this means. But this was, um, do we have the name of the doctor? I probably should say the name of the doctor. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. I'll get the name while we're playing it. But this is yesterday, the update on the 
things that transpired re- involving the health and the improvement of DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. You know, when he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. And, uh, you know, to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when, when he asked, did we win? The answer is yes. You know, DeMar, you won. You won the game of life. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this. And we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. And so, again, that that update yesterday from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, I, I really do need to get the name of the doctor that we just heard from who was tending to him. But in talking yesterday, you know, I talked to a couple of people that are doctors in those situations, obviously not those that are working on DeMar Hamlin, want to make clear of that, but who essentially said to me, This fits the timeline of someone making a recovery because when someone comes in who has had a full cardiac arrest, they are put basically, they are sedated for a 48 to 72 hour window to do a battery of tests, both neurologically and cardiologically, and then you begin removing or 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 scaling down the sedation to allow them to wake up so this is not necessarily like one would assume this is not like in the movies where all of a sudden he just wakes up and says i'm here but there are you know this is all part of the process and the plan but the good news is it is theoretically part of the process of the plan of the recovery based on the timeline of someone being able to make a recovery yeah the phrase was used yesterday neurologically intact I know that was a big thing we talked about with Dr. Mottman earlier in the week, Jake, when he hopped on with us. And, you know, something outside of DeMar Hamlin that I, I was really, really happy to see yesterday. Um, the name was put out there publicly on who performed the CPR um, on DeMar Hamlin on the field. They said that happened less than one minute after the hit occurred. Um and not to be too grave, but I think if that would have lingered any longer, DeMar Hamlin might not be here. Uh, Danny Kellington is the name of the Bills assistant athletic trainer who performed that CPR, again, in less than a minute uh, on the field. Something I want to see tomorrow, Jake, at the two NFL games and Sunday, I think before that game starts, you put two cameras on each sideline and you honor each team's medical team. And you put them up on the Jumbotron and you do that league-wide. I get that, you know, in youth sports, it's very difficult to obviously have the medical personnel that you have in an NFL game. Um, But I think that attention needs to be there. Um, So Danny Kellington, the name of the Bills assistant athletic trainer that did that. But again, great, great update. Um, Yeah, just just a really, really positive update. Uh, Still a long ways to go. Uh, but in terms of improvements, he has made some big, big strides. Dr. Timothy Pritz was the doctor that we just heard from at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Dr. William Knight, the other doctor who has been working with him. Uh, and again, they said, it appears that all cylinders are firing within his brain, which is greatly gratifying. And that is probably the most important news. There are also, Kevin, on the heels of that was discussion, and it's funny to me, Sometimes I'm probably, I know this will shock both of you when I say this, at at times maybe it's a bit of a liability that I will just kind of do stream of conscious and just throw out what's on my mind in the moment, and sometimes they don't make sense at all. And one of those was when we were talking about if the Cincinnati-Buffalo game was not resumed, 
which we now know it is not going to be, then if Cincinnati and Buffalo were to play each other in the playoffs, how would you determine which team gets home field if assuming that game would have been a key factor in the home field of a playoff matchup? And I had pointed out on Tuesday morning, I said, you know what, if that happens and they've got to go to a neutral site, Pittsburgh would make sense because it is the geographic center of Buffalo and Cincinnati in terms of the travel between the two, roughly speaking. But it's also Hamlin's hometown. So you can play the game in Pittsburgh to kind of honor him um, and, you know, whatever. And people were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's no way they're going to do neutral sites. Well, here we are, right? Uh, The NFL, I think, is exploring it. And, Kevin, I, I believe that the Colts behind closed doors will push for Indianapolis to be the host of that game if the AFC championship game or a game needs to be on a neutral field for the playoffs I think Indianapolis will push to be a host partially because of quite frankly and I'm, I'm not damning him for it but Jim Mercer would make a lot of money off that so you can bet the Colts would be like yeah absolutely bring it on because it would pay not only the city, but also Jim Mercer a lot of money. Oh, I was thinking more if you could just hang a banner for hosting an AFC championship game. <laughs> hosted AFC title game we didn't play in. Yes. 2023. Yep. Put that right up there in the rafters. Yeah. Um, so Chiefs-Bills, Chiefs-Bengals, are those the two that would be neutral site AFC title games? Everything else would... Have I think a, that's have a specific home field. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Bills Bengals would be in Buffalo. I think I saw mentioned yesterday. Any part of it, the game should be outdoors, considering all those teams play outdoors. Open the roof, baby. Again, I yeah, I, 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 I mean, listen, isn't there some like ten percent of participation? I don't mean to in take anything away from the city of Indianapolis. Obviously, I, I think logistically speaking, Pittsburgh makes sense. For yeah, again, I just talking thought, about. For the reason you're talking about. Outdoors. Um, so, yeah. If Although, you, if it's Buffalo, Kansas City, then you do Indianapolis because it's halfway between the two. Right? Mark, will you retweet Ian Rappaport? He just tweeted out a chart of like the scenarios on, on what exactly the neutral site opponents would be um, under that scenario. I did have to laugh yesterday. If the Ravens beat the... Bengals on Sunday, and they're the four-five seeds. You'll have a coin flip to decide who hosts that playoff game. I, are you a Friday Night Lights person? Either of you in the movie? Never no. seen it. Really? Uh, one of the iconic scenes is Permian trying to make the playoffs, and you have three teams meeting in a rest stop in the middle of nowhere. Undisclosed rest stop, by the way, in the middle of nowhere in Texas to decide who will represent uh, who will make the playoffs two of those three teams so that's what i would like to see i'd like to see lamar jackson joe burrow john harbaugh and zach taylor at a west virginia rest stop undisclosed cameras lights off flip a coin to see who hosts the playoff game there is big there, gulps huh is there cool is there bucky's in west virginia west virginia yeah i don't, I don't know so, right? i don't think so have you Bra- been to west virginia years ago brandon says if it's indy it's also Captain Sports Volleyball. Sounds like a big convention. With a lot of hotel rooms downtown already full with that. So besides the teams, not sure where fans would stay at. Yeah, so we'll see logistically how all of that plays out here over the next month. But as Jake said, Bills-Bengals canceled. No resumption of play there. Week 18 uh, will unfold as is. Uh, Jake is Sunday, Jeff Saturday's last game as Colts head coach. 
Oh, boy. Yes. Is it his last game as a part of the organization? No. I think there's a pretty good chance that Jeff Saturday's last game is not Sunday as head coach. I mean, I I don't think you're crazy. I am not slamming that door shut whatsoever on Jim Irsay not hiring Jeff Saturday full time. I think that is very much on the table. It's Sunday, Chris Ballard's last of the day Colts owner. Um, I haven't ruled that one out either. I think there's a chance that this operation run it back could have a run back. Now again, I think there are decisions that have to be made by both of those individual parties as well. Saturday and Ballard. Uh, we'll go over kind of the list of Colts free agents that could be the last game for them as well. But um, again, looking at the draft scenarios for the Colts, if they win the football game, they would draft fifth or sixth. If they lose, they would draft third, fourth, or fifth. So we can go over that um, a little bit later. I did find this note interesting, and again, credit to... Zach Hicks, who covers the Colts, does Locked on Colts. You guys have heard us have Tony East on Locked on Pacers. Um, Zach Hicks on Locked on Colts. He found this stat that there's nine interim coaches in the last 12 years that have coached at least half a season. Jeff Saturday will join the eight-game group on Sunday. Um, And Jeff Saturday currently, and I guess he can't eclipse Frank Reich. Frank Reich won, what, three games? Jeff Saturday will... The most he can win is two. Uh, he's the only coach not to lead the team to a better record than the coach that got fired. Every interim coach has had a better record than the coach that got fired. Yeah, that's not good. He also, by the way, is the seventh interim coach in Colts history, and only Ron Meyer was then retained as a head coach. Only Ron Meyer parlayed it into a full-time position. If Jim Mercer hires Jeff Saturday full-time, Jake, his explanation will be what? Um, that he he knows football. He knows football, and he knows personalities, and he knows you know better than than you do. Like he doesn't he doesn't know how sausage is. He knows what sausage is, but he doesn't know how it's made. But he knows how football is made. That will be his his reasoning. So yeah. these two months did not matter at all in the evaluation. You've got to be inside the building. You're yeah. not inside the building. I'm inside the building. I'm. This is my franchise. I mean, quite frankly, he's the owner, right? I think my goal for Rosie and Max in life is to find someone that loves them like Jim Mercer loves Jeff Saturday. <laughs> Jeff Saturday's a likable guy. It's Very likable. He bats those blue eyes. Those blue eyes, right? I mean, you know, come on. So we'll see how it plays out again Sunday, 1 o'clock. Colts favored by two and a half the over under on that game is 38 both of these teams want to lose i should say both of these teams fan bases want to lose mark's chicago bears still very much in the race for the number one pick go texans Uh, if houston loses they will have the number one pick if they win and nathan peterman's bears lose then chicago will have the number one pick um sam ellinger again will be the starter sounds like reggie wayne wants to come back he met the media yesterday, said he's got a two-year contract, said if I'm allowed, I'll be back. Do we have that Bernard Ryman clip? Yeah, but he says he's Bernard Ryman. Reggie Wayne's not saying that. <laughs> Do you not have the clip, Mark? I have it. I have to pull it, but I, if you want if you want Bernard Ryman. Also, there was like it. a – so Bernard Ryman has this long pause, and I'm sure Mark will play the clip here in just a second. 
there was a long pause from Reggie Wayne yesterday of like three or four seconds where he was asked like, what's wrong right now with the organization? And oh boy, he seemed very close to just going off. And then all of a sudden after three or four seconds, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. I'm Bernard Ryman and I'll be back. <laughs> I should have waited on my, on my giggle there. It kind of bleeds into him. That was a Reggie Wayne pause yesterday. Do we have the Reggie Wayne clip? About the organization. I, I don't know if we have the exact clip. I think we do. Um, or if the pause, I guess, is in that answer. But Reggie Wayne would be a person, Jake, um, you'd like to give a couple truth serums to in the offseason and get his thoughts on it. Yeah, well, he's usually pretty candid. I did radio show with him for like three years. He was a pretty candid dude. I don't know how much of that was on air, actually, but he was cool. By the way, in a completely unrelated note, you mentioned West Virginia earlier, Mark. You mm-hmm. brought that up. Um this, I'm the only one that cares about this, but I'm going to share it anyway. I bet somebody actually driving is going to say to themselves, now see, that's an interesting tidbit. Thank you, Jake, for that interesting little nugget. I told you someday when I'm really bored, I'm going to do like a blog where since I've been to all 50 states where I rank them 50 to 1. Oh, wow. This is like your helmet competition. <laughs> that's right. But just like a, a little couple paragraph blurb about each state ranking them from number 50 which would be the one that least impressed me and that's i I do know what state that is to number one the state that i love the most uh that one's pretty obvious west virginia would you guys say where would you say west virginia ranks well purely for the song i'd rank it on the top 10 on your list you're saying where would it rank yes I'll say top 15. It is around that area. I, I think it is a beautiful state. I love the work ethic of the people there. That I, I just, The I think, work ethic of the people? <laughs> man, you are ingrained into the West Virginia been, community. Well, think about, but think about this, though, honestly. Like Kevin Snoggle's family hosts you for a week? Think about, like, if you go, if you do, like, I remember one time I was driving back from, I went to a Clemson road game and I was driving back and I came back through West Virginia and I stopped in Huntington, Charleston at like two o'clock in the morning and there was an old Greasy Spoon diner and I went in, it was like October, it's kind of snowy out and literally the place was full of pickup trucks and I'm like, it's two o'clock in the morning and it was full of guys in jeans and flannels that were on their break from the coal mines and they're covered in soot and whatever else and they're just getting coffee and pancakes before they go back into the caves and get to work and you know there's just something i I gotta respect for it i just do but it is geographically speaking it is absolutely gorgeous i did not think we'd get west virginia work ethic on the bingo card here at 725 so you were doing a hell of a job at this west virginia footlocker i need to shake your hand yep uh uh-huh mike gansey kevin pitt snoggle bob huggins inviting maybe john beeline i guess back then uh, he is Jake Quarry, of course. I'm Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, Greg Rakestraw around 8 o'clock. We'll talk Jim Harbaugh with Austin Meek, who covers the Wolverines for the Athletic and quite the interesting press release. And I know we let off the show with Indiana and Purdue chatter. We'll continue that. Again, IU uh, blows a 21-point lead in Iowa City last night. Insult to injury there with Race Thompson leaving with a leg injury. And Purdue shows some impressive resolve. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer with a three-pointer to win the game late in Columbus on that one. So chat about that. Pacers back in action tonight. All the laughable two-minute report. We can explain that (laughs) coming up as well. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Kevin and Corey, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We'll begin with college basketball. 
Last night in Columbus, Ohio, the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers. And I was actually curious because obviously they lost to begin the week. But does winning at Ohio State offset that? It's not unprecedented that a team can lose and still stay number one. Although Houston, who is second ranked, did win last night. But Purdue over Ohio State, 71-69. The Boilers now... Uh, three and one in the Big Ten. They are fourteen and one overall. Fletcher Lawyer a go ahead three with twelve seconds left. He had eleven points. Zach Eady added sixteen and eleven. Braden Smith sixteen Ooh, points. He was Purdue, good. Awfully tough down the stretch. Braden Smith was that was sectional eight. Braden Smith last night for Purdue. Here was Matt Painter on the Zach Eady to Fletcher Lawyer game winner. We'll, well get I, it here in a I few. I thought Fletcher Lawyer played well. It was a great shot. I was so, I was so busy editing the Mike Woodson rant. Yeah, we, we need some swearing in we that We need one. some bleeps yeah, for Mike Woodson's yeah. audio here. Yeah. All right, here we go. We thought they would actually stay. We were just trying to get him one-on-one and then set something up weak side. But if they kept doing what they were doing, then we wanted him to be in place to be able to make that shot. And Zach did a good job of making that thing. I think a lot of people look at things in theory and say, like, hey, your best player's got to take the last shot. Your best player's got to make the best decision. And you can't dictate everything. The other team will dictate some things. They came hard on the trap, and I thought he made a great decision. And Fletch made a huge shot. You know, Jake, they um, they benched Fletcher Lawyer at the start of the second half. David Jenkins got the start there. He was important. He has not shot it well, but the transfer hit a few threes that were really big. Um, for Lawyer to kind of have the composure to handle that and then hit the game winner, uh, pretty special by the freshman on the road. Boy, they, and Zach Eady, you know, Painter talked about it, but Zach Eady, his ability to find the open guy out of the post, critical, and Lawyer was right there waiting for it. Meanwhile, in Iowa City, Indiana jumped out to a huge lead. They had... Uh, a 21-point lead right out of the box, really, but Iowa hung around. Ends up winning 91-89. That snaps a three-game losing streak for the Hawkeyes. Chris Murray was really good, 30 points and 10 boards. Indiana led by Trace Jackson Davis' 30. Jalen hood Shafina, who played really well, might have been his best game so far, 21 for Indiana. Race Thompson's leg injury was one big story. Kevin and Mike Woodson's displeasure with Fran McCaffrey was yeah Fran was a nut per usual got a tech early in the game then late in the game next thing I know he's like right in the face with an IU assistant I'm not sure why he didn't get teed up for a second time Uh, Mike Woodson was uh, to say the least not pleased after the game I'm not even I'm not even going to comment on that because that's that's is what it is you know and you can you can print that because again when you can allow coaches to come across half court into your your space that's bull it is. The question I wanted to ask you about that, Mike, was uh, it looked like one of the officials called the technical foul. He did call the tech, and he pulled it back. Really? Which was bull****. Guy should have been thrown out of the damn game. And he he looked livid, man. Like I don't disagree with anything Mike Woodson said there. By the way, I, no. I do agree with that. The whole I saw the motion for the technical and pulling it back, and I was waiting for Jason Benetti or. Rafferty there to kind of clear, you know, usually you have an official come over to the TV table and kind of explain something. That did not happen. I do have to laugh, though, Mike Woodson. I'm not going to comment on it, but here comes three BSs over the next 15 seconds. You know, Fran McCaffrey is a good basketball coach and may be a wonderful guy. I have no idea. And I grew up watching, cheering for, admiring, and to an extent worshiping Bob Knight. So cue up the hypocrite music here, but... Fran McCaffrey, he is a maniac. You're right. I mean, his, his 
his temper explosiveness is at times out of control, man. I mean, eight minutes into the game, he's teed up. Now, granted, you're down 21, so I, I guess that calls for it. But I feel like every game I watch, Fran has a technical. I would agree with that. Uh, Pacers tonight in action over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, 7 o'clock, the Trailblazers. Did you guys see the new over-under? Mark, was A quarter swish. It was kind of a faint. Uh, the new over-under on wins for the Pacers? 21-18 and 18 right now. What do you think the new over-under on season wins for the Pacers? So that means that they have they have played 39 games, so they have 43 games remaining. It would be fair to say that they would go 23. So they, they're at what right now? I'll say the over-under is 42. That's literally what I was going to say is 42. 40 and a half. And you had it at what? Uh, I took over 30 wins. <laughs> right? That's what we're doing? I, 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 I feel pretty confident. I would hope so. Uh, the two-minute report came out yesterday from the 76ers game. I, I just laugh every time that thing comes out. I'm like, well, I guess it's transparency from the league. Basically, the refs screwed up a ton of calls late. More on Philly, less on Indiana. The Matherin play where he does a reverse layup and Harden blocked it, that was not one of the missed calls. Uh, but still, there were several there that went against Indiana. I, I, Is like, it transparency, though? It's just them saying, I, like, I, ah, here you go, but we're not going to do anything about it. There's no consequences for this. It's a lot of spilled milk to me. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Pacers not the only basketball team in action tonight. Ball State does host Akron sure, 830. Sure. Two-game win streak for Akron coming in. But Ball State and Michael Lewis's guys, six straight. They are 5-0 and at home. 10-4 and overall, 1-0 in the league. Again, 830 tip Werther and Arena. Seems like Ball State. Win a pair of tickets on the pop quiz today for that game. Ball State, Indiana State, real opportunities to uh, make the tournament here in a couple of months. Again, Greg Rickshaw going to join us at 8. We'll talk some Jim Harbaugh coming up at 830 and Matt Taylor at 9. Kevin and Query here on a Friday. You think it's weird he ain't from West? Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Virginia. Just picturing Kevin Pitsnoggle, Mike Gansey. Gansey's got the long t-shirt, <laughs> arm in arm. And here comes intern Chamber of Commerce, Jake Query. That's right. No one works harder than West Virginia. I'm telling you, man. The Mountaineer folk, a, no one works there's harder. There's just a blue-collar commendable aspect lunch pail pickup truck driving group in West Virginia man Rocky, I thought the Rocky Mountains would be a lot rockier than this <laughs> that John Denver was full of man full of something Mike Woodson line. said a few times last yeah, night uh, right. for those very confused we brought up West Virginia because a potential coin toss between Baltimore and Cincinnati to describe or to decide uh, home field for their potential wild card matchup and I said hey why not meet at a West Virginia rest stop like a Friday night light scene to decide that, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, the stakes on Sunday will be far less from a playoff standpoint. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Will it be the final game of the Jeff Saturday era? I am definitely not ready to say that. The free agent group, though. Let me throw some names at you, Jake, and you tell me if any of these guys you would classify as bring them back. Okay. Offensively, I think the only notable one is Paris Campbell. 
Defensively, Yannick Ngakwe, Taekwon Lewis, Bobby Okereke. Hold on. Let's go one by one here. Paris Campbell. Um, Paris Campbell, I think, uh, you know, I mean, if... One to ten scale. One, you never want to see him again. Ten, you yeah. can't live without him. Six. Ngakwe. Four. Yannick Ngakwe just had a season that only two Colts defensive ends have done in a decade, and he is four years younger than when Justin Houston and Eric Walden accomplished that. Okay. Uh, it depends on how much he's going to demand, but... I can really... And this is not me just being my Bears bias. I could see him in a Bears uniform you next know, year you if he, he wants. Ngakwe? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taekwon Lewis? I mean, two. Yeah, I'd probably treat him... Pretty similar to how you did last year. One year, prove it. I think when healthy, Jake, he I mean, gives you something, that, that's unfortunately. Fair. That's fair. When healthy. Uh, Bobby O'Carica. Eight. Wow. A lot of money at linebacker. Well, a lot of that is dependent upon what happens with Shaquille Leonard. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to know that before next that's, season starts. That, so you're going to have to make a decision before fair. that. Chase McLaughlin. Based on position... Four because it's a fungible position based on what he did this year for you. Eight, nine. Yeah, I would agree. He's a proven commodity. I don't think he you is. want to you want to go down that road again where reliable. you go into the unknown. I you know, the thing is, he was reliable, Jake. But I would add, he was a weapon in that you kicked fifty yard field goals on a rather routine basis with him. You weren't even sniffing that with Hot Rod. Correct. A guy that we forgot to mention yesterday, and, and for those that missed it, I, you know, we, we gave the Colts nice positivity for, what, 10, 15 minutes uh, talking about individuals that should be proud of their 2022 season. A guy that someone tweeted at me after the show, listened to the podcast, and, and mentioned him, and, and I, I agree. I think there's some um, reason behind that. Rodney McLeod, safety, veteran, came over from Philadelphia. You know, rookie Nick Cross started the first game of the season. And then all of a sudden, he plays half a game, too, and the Colts don't like what they see. They put Rodney McLeod in there playing a different safety position than he's used to. And I think he's been pretty steady for you. And yeah. I think he's helped probably Rodney Thomas. I, I think there's a, there is a value in guys that are kind of Swiss Army where you can plug them maybe in a couple of different ways. Or there, there's also a value, Kevin, in guys that kind of know their role going in and know that they might not be an every rep guy, but when their number's called, they're, they're certainly not a huge drop-off to them. Uh, you need guys like that. I mean, no question about it. I, listen, Bobby Okereke was probably that coming into the season. I mean, he was a, a, a role player that was expect, that was thought to be initially a more marquee player that then this year had to be marquee, and I think he delivered. How I look at linebacker, EJ Speed is also a free agent. Jake, I'd probably bring back Speed, let Bobby Okereke walk. Speed's going to be cheaper. I just don't That's think you fair. can give Okereke the money he's going to command. We were talking Jeff Saturday uh, a little bit there in the opening segment. This from Nate. And Jake, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Nate says, if you ask someone to make a cake, but you don't give them the ingredients, it doesn't matter how good of a chef you are. I feel like this is now Neil Brown talking about your palate yesterday. That's right. The Colts' issues are a personnel issue. Doesn't make Saturday a good coach, but there's no way he would be successful with this team. I think that's a fair statement, and I think Jim Irsay probably... I think that's part of why Could Jeff be Irsay's Saturday burner, was brought in. Honestly. Well, I think that's part of why Jeff Saturday was brought in. Hey, can you assess for me you know, where we are here. So not even an ounce of success matters? But 
there was a clear regression from the person coaching before. So you have a barometer by which to measure Jeff Saturday because for the most part, it was the same roster that Jeff Saturday was dealing with that Frank Reich was, and Frank Reich was 3-3-1. and And then the bottom fell out. Now, you could make the argument the bottom fell out because there was a seismic change made to the, to the locker room and everybody had their head on a swivel. I, I get it. But I think that Nate's message there is far more aligned with the way Jim Ursay would, would see it. Which is interesting because Ursay, Nate calls it a personnel issue. When has Ursay once publicly not defended Chris Ballard to the nth degree? That's where I'm confused with all this, Jake. Okay. Ursay has made it very clear he thinks the personnel is good enough. So Jim, what does that mean for Ballard? Okay. Jim Ursay, follow me here. Jim Ursay is a person of a lot of pride. And Jim Mersey is a person who it is very important that people realize is the man who owns, operates, runs, and decides the fates of the Indianapolis Colts and their personnel. Jim Mersey hired Chris Ballard and called him the best, I'm paraphrasing, general manager hire of the 21st century for a reason. There's no paraphrasing. That's, that was that's his. Quote. That was his golden boy. That was his discovery. Everybody has their their signature work, right? Everybody has their, you know. Bon Jovi has "Living on a Prayer." Michelangelo has David. Jim Irsay wants his signature work, right? Jerry Krause, when he was the, with the Chicago Bulls, what did he say? Like. Players don't win championships. Organizations do. He wanted people to know that he was in charge and he was the one building it. Michael Jordan wasn't the one winning it. Everybody knew he was crazy. But Jim Irsay brought in Chris Ballard because for two reasons. Number one, Chris Ballard was very well thought of and had a very good resume. But this was his golden opportunity. And and if it were to work, Jim Irsay was going to be the guy that discovered him. That was going to be his outside-the-box thinking or his. He was the first one to take the chance, give the opportunity, what a genius Jim Merce is. That was true about Chris Ballard more than anybody else in the building until Jeff Saturday. And Jeff Saturday, in terms of the unconventional thought process of bringing him in and having it be labeled as a Jim Merce outside-the-box thought that was bucking the trend and going away from people and his signature thumbprint all over it jeff saturday usurps in terms of the strength of that category in the mind of jim ursay chris ballard and so it is going to be very difficult for jim ursay to immediately depart from jeff saturday because that's where his attention now has focused on being his guy and he took a ton of heat, and I think he didn't expect it. I think Jim Ursay expected that when he hired Jeff Saturday that people would say he thought that the talking heads on ESPN and the NFL Network and 107.5 The Fan and the Indianapolis Star, he thought, and, and don't, get me, don't, don't kid yourself, all people in sports pay attention to that stuff. Whether They, they all say, I don't, I don't read anything that the media says, and then they proceed to tell you 15 straight things word for word the media has said. 
he expected that people would say, what a brilliant outside-the-box hire. I mean, Jeff Saturday knows football. I see him on TV. Why did nobody else think of this? And instead, everybody went, <laughs> what in the world? Which then caused him to clinch further onto his pride to say, you know what, I still want the opportunity to prove him wrong. That's just my observation. Rosie, Max, find you someone that loves you like Jim Mercer loves Jeff Saturday. Yep. Joseph Hall, the schedule's a lot tougher during the Saturday tenure than earlier in the season. There's probably a good amount of truth to that. But again, to the embarrassment. It's not like you're losing competitive games. And you look around the league, Houston's a great example of it. You're going to see a team that over the last month has played good, has won a game, won a road game. They take Kansas City to overtime. I'm watching Denver with an interim coach, Jerry Rosberg, last week. They took Kansas City to the brink of it. Colts haven't sniffed that in a month. Does that matter? Should it matter? If not, then when you hired Saturday on November 3rd, whenever you did it, you pretty much said, screw the Rooney rule. Jeff Saturday's our coach full-time. That's the other thing that comes into play, is the Rooney rule, when they just immediately went out and got Jeff Saturday and there was Rooney rule discussion from people it was not applicable because it was on an interim basis but now if you hire him full-time then you're gonna have people that are gonna say see yeah you still went through but it was window dressing it's hollow it's something that i just want to i guess ask of ursay if indeed he is going to hire jeff saturday just please at least go through the entire interview process with actual real time and effort Jake, Carolina's not asking to interview Jeff Saturday. Denver's not asking to interview Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday's not some coveted candidate. If you want him, you'll probably get him. Don't rush to it. Interview a lot of candidates with a lot of different backgrounds. their safety school. And see what else is out there. Craig Rakeshaw joins us next. He's a busy man this time of year. Of course, you could probably say that about all months out of the year. Greg Rakestraw joins us right now. Reiki, I'm watching Purdue. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Last night, and I'm thinking, this is prob- that Braden Smith is probably what Rake saw at sectional eight last year, and that Fletcher Lawyer game winner probably isn't too surprising to you at all. That's just that kid's M.O. Um... You know, I had, didn't see Fletcher as much as I saw Braden. Saw Fletcher in the regional round the year before, where he played great, but Carmel had done enough to kind of kind of put them at bay when they played at Logansport. And then, you know, Smith is just so tough uh, and and was so ready to make that transition from a high level of, of high school hoops to now a high level of college basketball. So, not surprised at all that those two guys are having the year that they are having for a team that uh, is is surprising us in terms of what their ranking is at the midway point of the season. I was asking this earlier, Greg. I, this is kind of inconsequential, but Houston is obviously really good, and Houston won last night as well. They're ranked second. But I remember, I can't remember who it was a couple of years ago, was ranked number one, lost, and then stayed number one despite losing during the week. I know it means a lot for Purdue to be ranked number one for their fans, does winning at Ohio State kind of offset that loss earlier in the week and possibly allow them to stay at one? 
It's certainly possible. Now, my guess is because Houston being number two and given the 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 dominant fashion uh, and the national stage, I think it was an ESPN2 game, that Houston had in, in, in beating SMU within an inch of their life, um, that Houston's probably the number one team. But it's certainly possible. And again, it's not like Purdue doesn't have a great resume. And the other thing, too, is you know Rutgers backed that up by how they played last night. Rutgers is a pretty good basketball team. They are. But my guess would my my guess would be is that is that Purdue drops a spot or two when the new polls come out on Monday. Rick, we're not to the point yet where we're thinking could Indiana miss the tournament? Are we? And, and no, injuries no. injuries kind of play into the reason why I would even potentially ask that question. Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on how long term, you know, do we see Xavier Johnson again? You know, how long term is Race Thompson's injury going to be? Yes, that's a factor, but but no. For even even as as rough as last night's loss was, because I know Iowa was simply not very good, but it was a road game. But knowing you got up by twenty points so quickly, and that evaporates relatively quickly, and and you lose last night like IU did, um, we're, we're not questioning their tournament medal just yet. But clearly, they are also not the team we had hoped this group would be going into the season. Is Purdue tougher than Indiana or just better coached? <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. Um, but I thought last night was one team finding a way to win and another team finding a way to lose. I agree. Um, that, that, that's, that, that It was amazing to have those two in back-to-back fashion where you got to sit there in one four-and-a-half-hour setting and take in everything they both do right, everything they both do wrong. And believe me, watching the Purdue game last night to me was fascinating because they've almost got a guaranteed bucket in when Zach Eadie's on the floor. But at the same time, that also creates very much some defensive liabilities for them. And so, it, you know, they're, a, they're an amazing kind of study in contrast about things that are both good and bad. You know, Indiana at this point, again, some very talented individuals trying to make all those pieces fit. And part of that is, you know, because you're hurt at the point guard spot, you're having a freshman, talented individual player, having to play that position and does some good things, but he's also doing some learning on the job. So, again, I, I look at last night as right now you got one team that finds a way to win. Another team that finds a way to lose, and that's the difference in those two teams currently. He is Greg Rakestraw. Again, a busy, busy time of year for Rake on the high school front. You'll hear him on the Colts post game show, the final one of the year coming up on Sunday. I do want to get to Colts in a few minutes, but you know, Rake, I've been seeing some of your you know pictures from gyms over the last few days and few weeks, and thought to myself, let's go Indy and Donut Counties. Give me your three favorite high school gyms in the area. Oh, that's tough. Um, Southport Fieldhouse immediately comes to mind. Uh, obviously, it's the biggest. It's where the biggest events are at. I'll be there for the Marion County Tournament, um, you know, to next Friday and next Saturday, and then again, likely the regional round on Saturday, March 11th. But again, just because of now what is played there on a yearly basis, the Forum Tip-Off Classic that we do on ISC, Southport Fieldhouse comes to mind uh, as, as, as number one. See, now you're making me think in terms of, uh, you know, kind of venues that are different, that are quirky, um, that are unique. Uh, I always thought Tech was kind of a unique venue. Cascade uh, immediately comes to mind locally. 
like literally there are classrooms like the, the 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 upper concourses of the gym are actually hallways uh in the school building and there are classrooms that are off to the side of it you know so if they ever played a matinee basketball game might be a little distracting you know to the kids that are in class um and so and and it's kind of a two-tiered gym it's it's uniquely built so in terms of unique buildings Cascade immediately comes in mind. Okay, You've yeah. been to Washington Catholic? I just looked up a picture of it. That is super unique, Rake. Yeah. And I know I have not been to Washington Catholic, but I went to college with several guys who played at Washington Catholic. And obviously there's the old play of going out of one set of doors and coming back in the other to get a bucket. That was, I think, like CNN's play of that the was year. Blaine and Shane Steimel. That was 1991. Mike Adams was the head coach who later went on to F.J. Wrights in Evansville and just retired, um, and he was a UND guy like you, Greg. Yep. Um, and that's Adam Alexander's uncle. So we went to a lot of Washington Catholic games, oh, yeah. and that gym, for people that don't know, the baseline, literally like the door from the baseline, There's no wa- the, the wall right there is the door that goes to the entrance of the gym. So yeah. they ran a play where a guy went out of the out of the gym, through the lobby, back in the other side. The defender's like, where the hell did that guy go? And he hit a three. <laughs> well, wasn't legal but it was fun i was a college tennis teammate for a year of blaine and shane and those guys are shane is one of my insurance agents blaine is a physical therapist down in jasper uh those guys have been friends of mine for 30 years so believe me i know the bird cage very well it is one of my checklist buildings to do a game from Sadly, Dub C has not been all that good in the last 20 or 25 years. The magic that they had back in 1991 has not been recreated or anything close to it since. The Birdcage. What an awesome name for a gym. Uh, he's Greg Rakestraw, ISC Sports Network. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, switching over to the Colts. Um, you know, if, if the Colts were 5-2 and two right now under Jeff Saturday, the praise would be endless. And it would almost probably be a foregone conclusion he'd be the permanent head coach next season. So the fact that they're the reverse of that and they're one and six and they've lost in such embarrassing fashion, shouldn't that close the door on any chatter about him being the permanent head coach? It should. But again, we all have this caveat of it's Jim Mercer's team, and clearly he's become more involved, and so you have no idea what to expect. So Absolutely. If you're just basing basing this off of how has the team looked since Jeff took over, Jeff Saturday's not your head coach next year. But again, given the fact that it's Jim Ursay, we know that it is possible that Jeff Saturday is your head coach next year. Through these uh, free agent names at Jake earlier, I'll throw a couple at you. Paris Campbell, Yanni Kangakwe, Bobby Okereke, Chase McLaughlin. Any of those names, 100%, you're bringing back? Amazingly, the one you'd say is Chase McLaughlin. Um, you know, given how he has settled the kicking position for your team. Um, and the other thing that I would throw out there, too, is you got to remember, he will likely not be asked to kick off next year. You would think that's going to be Rigoberto Sanchez returning um, after his Achilles injury that will handle the punting duties for this team next year. And so Chase can focus just on place kicking, and he did a great job of that. He would be number one. Of that now, I would lump Paris Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe in the same boat, even though one is going to cash in more than the other. Um, the role that Ngakwe has played 
reminds me very much of kind of what Justin Houston's role. Yeah, Kevin was, mentioned him earlier. You know, with, with this team where he wasn't anything spectacular, but he was very solid, very dependable. And I want to see him back. I'm not probably offering him a, a, a break the bank contract, but I'm offering him good money for a veteran player, knowing you, you, you're going to get 10 sacks out of Yannick Ngakwe. You know exactly what you're going to get with him. Um, it's a matter of finding the right market value to bring him back. I think Bobby O'Carroll and Paris Campbell is is not going to get that level of money. Uh, I could see Paris being brought back because of how he played this year, kind of the presence he is in the Colts locker room. Um, I'm probably not giving him a long-term deal. I'm probably putting him, ironically enough, with a fellow Buckeye in Taekwon Lewis. Okay, we'll give you we'll give you a solid one-year contract. If he gets something more long-term from somebody else, my best bet is the Colts shake his hand, say, "Hey, buddy, we wish you well, but we're we're not going to invest multiple years into a contract for Paris Campbell at this point." Bobby O'Carrake is the interesting one, and the perspective I have on Bobby is almost dating back to the Bill Polian era, where there were certain guys that you just knew, hey. You're probably even if you deserve it, you're not going to get a second contract here because X amount of money for the position has already been allocated. Right. Um, and, and so, knowing you got Franklin Hunter, now what looks like a phenomenal deal now for the next two years, knowing you've got Shaquille Leonard under contract, exactly what he is at this point, you're not sure. Um, I, you're either bringing back one of Okereke or Speed. And again, my my gut tells me that Okereke will get a bigger contract here than the Colts would like to give to a second or third linebacker, and he is probably elsewhere next year. Could be wrong about that, um, especially if there's maybe more known about exactly what Shaquille Leonard's health status is going to be. Like, if there is a question mark about him playing next year, then there is no doubt you gotta you have to bring back Bobby Okereke. But my, my, my gut tells me Chase McLaughlin is playing here next year. I think likely Yannick Ngakwe is playing here next year. Paris Campbell better than 50-50. Okereke less than 50-50. Greg, do you think – how quickly do you think – so the season will end on, what, January 8th technically is the date, right? For Is that right? Mm-hmm. For Sunday. Mm-hmm. So in terms of having a pretty good idea – of knowing who is going to be coaching them and what key players will be returning. Tell me the date that you think we have that definitive feeling. Well, obviously from a player standpoint and free agency, that's going to be early to mid-March. Um, from a coach, general manager, front office standpoint, needs to be Monday. And now obviously if you're going to make a move and it's not Jeff, then it's going to be, then the coach part will be a little bit later. Um, and obviously you know, because Jeff was on an interim deal, you need to go through the interview process, you know, even if it's going to be him, so maybe that takes a few days. But there needs to be a definitive statement from Jim Ursay, maybe not Sunday night, but on Monday, hey, this is this is what we are considering at this position. This is what we're considering at that position. You have to have a coherent, um, cogent plan going forward that's what this organization desperately needs 
This is the direction we are heading. This is the direction we are swimming. Even if you don't know who all the pieces are going to be at this point. Right. Like the, the map is this, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the that's that sounds good, right? Like the blueprint <laughs> is this. That's wishful thinking uh, uh, after how they've operated the last year. Understood. I, I get it. That's why, that's why I phrased the way I did. Yeah. You know, Monday will be interesting. You know, technically, I mean, Jeff Saturday's the interim coach. So, even if you want him full-time, you obviously have to go through a process. They've said that publicly. Even Ursay has said that publicly. Ballard is the one that, you know, technically he's under contract. You don't have to make any announcement about him if you're bringing him back. Um, I, I think when Ballard talks will be interesting. Part of me thinks that the only Ursay uh, public comments we'll get is just maybe some, like, thank you fans sort of tweet slash... You know, we've got a lot of decisions to make this offseason or something along those lines. I, I don't know. I, I don't – you never know what they're saying, but I don't see him holding any sort of press conference anytime soon. Right. You only make a press conference if you have changes to announce, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, what you got this weekend? Uh, so, North Central, Ben Davis, doubleheader tonight. Boys game on WNDY. Hendricks County Tournament Finals tomorrow night from Danville. Girls game at 6, and boys game to follow. By the way, the North Central Ben Davis game, which location is that? It is at your beloved alma mater, Jake. Because I knew, and that's the, when you say doubleheader, that's the girls, what, the girls and then the boys right after, right? Correct. I know that North Central was, um, you know, hoping for a pretty good turnout of that. So, I think, is it 6 o'clock girls game? That is correct. So, 1801 East 86th Street, by the way, everybody for your basketball entertainment tonight. Or you can watch it, of course, with Greg. Rake, Ben Davis in 4A seems to be, is it safe to say, kind of a clear favorite? And anybody in the other classes look like that so far? Uh, nobody to, to, to the uh, you know tune of Ben Davis just because Ben Davis has, has played such a rigorous schedule so far and has won all of those games. You know, like the teams directly behind them are, you know, Cathedral, Penn, and Brownsburg. That's not a particular order. Ben Davis has wins over all of those teams so far. And Ben Davis has wins over Zionsville and Fishers and Southport, who are also teams under consideration. Lawrence Central is in the top 20. Well, Ben Davis beat them two weeks ago. Um, ben, ben Davis, other than the Marion County Tournament, has a largely front-loaded schedule with a couple of notable exceptions, Carmel and Lawrence North, uh, that remain on the schedule. But, you know, we'll see how Ben Davis does next week in the Marion County Tournament. you got to win four games in five days. But, frankly, they've got the depth uh, to do that. Uh, and they've also got a motivating factor in that they were up big in the championship on North Central last year and let it slip away. And North Central won that game in overtime. So, Ben Davis is the clear-cut favorite in 4A in girls. South Bend, Washington despite the strength of the Hamilton County area teams in Zionsville and being in the same half of the bracket, they're the definitive favorite in 4A. 1A, 2A, 3A, you tend not to have that as much. You've got multiple great teams in those classifications, and nobody has broken away the way the two teams in 4A have at this juncture. By the way, I remember Jake storming the court last year when North Central came back to beat Ben Davis, uh, if, I was, if I'm not mistaken. I was actually ejected from Terre Haute, uh, North High School in 1990 
for going onto the court prematurely in a North Central Terre Haute North game to confront the band director when they played a song when um, Dewey Williams broke his ankle. They played at the hop. I found it inappropriate. I got ejected by the Terre Haute did Police you, did you, did, wait, Now, is that a Fran McCaffrey level? We need video of this badly. Well, here's the thing, guys. I, I was broadcasting the game for WJEL 89.3, your Panther Sports Connection, and Dewey was obviously one of my best friends, and he was a, it was our junior year, actually, and uh, he got hurt, and it was his ankle, and he's laying on the floor writhing in pain, and the band, and, and admittedly, I don't think they really realized what was going on. It's but like a Kayvon Thibodeau situation. Correct. It, correct. And they started playing at the hop, which I thought was inappropriate. So I just took off my headsets and left the game call to Adam Alexander and walked out on the floor, across the floor, to tell the band director to knock it off. And he took exception to that, and the Terre Haute Police Department said, um, you're going to have to come with us. And they yeah, when, you, out, when you walk across the floor during the game, that's usually an immediate do not pass go moment. Well, I figured as the as the voice of the Panthers that I had carte blanche. You know, I had a little press pass and everything. They didn't see it that way. This um, is what's wrong with media. You, you, do you think you Rake does this? Rake is a professional. Probably, he doesn't do this. <laughs> you probably would have been allowed to walk around the court and have that conversation. I was, was very upset, Greg. Across the court, pro- you know, part that was probably a problem. By the way, before we let you go, Greg. I'm going to read you two tweets. I want you, either one of you guys to guess who tweeted them, okay? This was last night as Fletcher Lawyer was hitting a game winner. That's a tough win on the road by Purdue. Ohio State got some good young hoopers over there. That Big Ten is some good bump. Then moments later, someone mentioned that Indiana was leading big. To which the same person then sent another tweet. IU should be up 20, but they're playing solid ball right now. Who's that from? Greg, Greg, start your guess. Magic Johnson. I actually <laughs> I actually saw the, the tweet, so I'm probably not one to Purdue is probably thrilled to get a Big Ten road win, but they're probably not near as thrilled with that as they are the fact that Kevin Durant was tweeting about them last night. Nice. For those guys, man, that's a big deal, right? That's I mean, I'm not kidding you. Like, that's a big deal. Sure. Locked into FS1. Break. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy this weekend. We'll see you Sunday. See you, fellas. It's Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, I said it to lead off the show. I, it, you can just boil last night down to that final 30, 40 seconds in Purdue calling the timeout when they needed to, getting Zach Eady back in the game, executing flawlessly out of the timeout. Indiana, for some reason, takes one. Iowa goes from man to zone, so they take advantage of the Indiana timeout. IU comes out, they look lost, and they blow the 21-point lead. Third biggest comeback in Iowa Hawkeye basketball history. Again, I don't think we're there yet, but I asked Rick the question. I think injuries have to be in consideration it's January sixth, Jake. But when when do we do we uh, another loss or two? When we start thinking NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'm not there yet with that, right? What because, if Ray Thompson's out for the year and Xavier well, Johnson's out for the that's, year? Yeah, now you're starting to talk a little bit, right? Uh, and, that, and, and that's why I asked. It. What we saw last night, quite frankly, was Shafina was terrific, and that's was, very encouraging for IU. But with Ray Thompson out. What Race Thompson does, obviously, is that when you throw it into Trace Jackson Davis, when he gets doubled, he and Race Thompson obviously have an understanding and a chemistry with one another where you either get it then to Race Thompson for a mid-range score or 
he facilitates to get the ball back outside, reverse it, and get a good look for an outside shooter. Without Race Thompson there, people can collapse on Trace Jackson Davis, and then Indiana is at the mercy of their outside shooting. And if they can't get Miller Cop open looks, then their outside shooting is in the hands, basically, of Tamar Bates or Jalen hood Shafino. And last night, for example, Jalen hood Shafino was really good, and it still wasn't enough without Race Thompson out there. So that is of concern for certain. But I think that in the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten champion may have three or four losses. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you get a little bit of flexibility there. And Indiana, they really missed out on getting at least, they they really probably needed, in case that scenario unfolds, Kevin, it would have been really good for them to get either that Arizona or Kansas game to have that kind of in the yeah. bank for themselves. But that Xavier wins a good at, win. I was going to say, at Xavier is going to continue to look pretty good. Xavier's a good team. I mean, they beat UConn. The, the, they're a really good team. And, of course, that one being a true road game helps you out. Jordan Geronimo, I, I think, will be critical for Indiana moving forward. Yeah, they're going to have to get him to play well. With Race Thompson, Mal- I would assume, <laughs> going to miss some time. And Malik Renault, Malik Renault, excuse me, needs to start playing with a little competence. Yeah, he, he's had some shaky moments here in his freshman year. But by far, the most encouraging sign last night would be Jalen hood Shafino and what he looked like. Not only scoring, but nine assists and two turnovers. So we're going to talk a little Jim Harbaugh coming up in about five minutes. That statement yesterday released by Harbaugh, the Michigan football program, uh, to call it odd, I think would be an understatement. So we'll talk to Austin Meek, covers Michigan for The Athletic, on his thoughts on that. Uh, and then there were some... Is allegations too harsh for word, but they're looking into the yeah. Michigan football program. Is that fair to say? They are. Sniffing cool. around. Okay, we'll uh we'll chat about that. Morning check down here. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mark Dykton just told me that we're up against it, so we'll do it this way. Pacers in action tonight at the Fieldhouse. Portland Trailblazers, that game as they come back off of their loss from Philadelphia the other night. Last night in the NBA, Memphis over Orlando. Boston, Utah, and Denver also getting wins. In college basketball, we talked about Purdue and Indiana's games on the road, but Southern Indiana dropping one to Moorhead State, 84-80. Elsewhere in the state, Purdue-Fort Wayne, 79-69 over Green Bay. Tonight, Ball State hosting Akron at 8-30. That does it, Mark? Yeah, that's fine. Good job. Well done. We'll talk to Austin Meek about Jim Harbaugh next. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Jake, it was quite the press release yesterday from the University of Michigan football program. And Jeff, uh, Jeff, Saturday, Jim Harbaugh's comments within that press release. For those that missed it earlier, the press release reads like this. Jim Harbaugh says, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. College and NFL teams have great interest in all our personnel from players to coaches to staff. And I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I've spoken with President Santa Ono and Athletic Director Ward Manuel and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach, Bo Beckler said, those who stay will be champions. 
Do you yeah. love that, don't you? Uh, the final part? Just the whole thing. Uh, the while no one knows what the future holds with a comma and then I expect, I think is one of the wilder statements in a press release that I assume Michigan believed this would quiet some of the chatter. <laughs> Silence some of it. Your bewilderment amuses me. Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Austin Meek joins us right now. He covers the Michigan football program for The Athletic. Austin, when you saw that press release, your thoughts were what? Well, it was not anything that Jim Harbaugh had not said before, so I can't say that it, it really changed how I've thought about this whole situation. Jim Harbaugh said the same thing in December. Uh, exactly the same wording, that nobody knows the future, but he expected to be back at Michigan. Um, that's that's quite a few caveats in there, if, if you're counting, uh, and it's not a not a definitive statement uh, by any means of what he's going to do, but, but it does indicate that uh, right now his intention is to be back at Michigan. Um, but part of this is that, you know, the, the thing that came out <laughs> – later in the night about the, the NCAA investigation and the, the potential penalties for Jim Harbaugh all makes a little bit more sense because when he's talking about not knowing the future, it, it makes you ask, well, okay, you know, what, what potentially could, could change? And, that, and now we know there's this NCAA situation that certainly is going to factor into his thinking and whatever he does. Now, the NCAA letter of notice, if you will, the, the, the notice of allegations – that Michigan could face a level one violation. If you could, Austin, for our listeners, and I don't think people are overly nuanced here in Indianapolis about, you know, violations Michigan may have committed or whatnot, but, you know, is this like they found out they might have had a parking ticket or is this, do they face the potential of the kind of penalty that would make Jim Harbaugh feel like it's better to be elsewhere? Well, the old saying is that the cover-up is always worse than the crime, and that, that seems to be the situation here. The, the infractions themselves, the primary infractions, don't look like anything overly severe. Um, some of it was known about an analyst who had been coaching in practice. Uh, it sounds like there was some impermissible contact with, with recruits during the COVID-19 dead period. Um, so nothing, nothing really overly severe, but, but the problem is uh, Jim Harbaugh is, is facing a level one violation uh, for allegedly not cooperating with the investigation. And that, that's the uh, potential infraction that, that rises to a level where there, there could be some penalty for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then the question would be, does, does he accept the penalty? And return to Michigan, or, or is that the type of thing where he feels like uh, rather than deal with that, he, he wants to just go and coach in the NFL, which which he clearly has had a desire to do, had a desire to do last season, um, said that he wasn't going to entertain that this year. But, but with this situation coming up, you, you just have to wonder, uh, is that maybe the tipping point that makes him decide that it's time to go back to the NFL? Sometimes with guys, Austin, Austin Meek of The Athletic, who covers Michigan athletics, joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Sometimes we cover athletes or coaches or administrators, and we become conditioned in the media, maybe even or as fans, cynically speaking, to assume that they always speak in tongue. And then there are those that you look at after the fact and go, you know what, they were pretty transparent, and, and I just assumed they met elsewise, but they were pretty upfront. 
Where does Jim Harbaugh lie in that regard in terms of when he speaks? Is he is his track record such that you can take him to his word, or is he kind of always looking around the corner? You know, Jim Harbaugh is is an interesting guy. He's a he's a quirky personality. I think everybody knows that, uh, and and I don't pretend to know exactly what's going on in in his mind. Certainly, I think he's the only one who knows that. But I would say that in general, I think that that he has been fairly straightforward about his intentions. Last season, uh, he he was he was pretty upfront about the fact that he was going to explore the NFL. Uh, he he said that to to recruits. Um, he he didn't really deny it. It was it was pretty well known at a certain point that last season he was going to look into the NFL and see if there was an opportunity for him to go back to the NFL. Um, it, it's been different this year. He's, he's made much more definitive statements this year about intending to be back at Michigan. Um, and so I do give that some weight, but, but I also, you know, I'm aware that he's also given himself some, some wiggle room and repeatedly saying, you know, nobody knows what the future holds. Um, I, I think that that statement, you know, applies to the situation that he's in now because you know things change. It's, the situation he's in now at Michigan looks a lot different than it did a week ago, uh, and, and all of that gets factored in when he's deciding what to do in the future. Austin, our apologies for not saying good morning and thank you for the time when we had you on to begin the interview. I kind of hopped right into it, so I, we do appreciate you joining us here and providing a little bit more background on a name that obviously Colts fans have been chatting about a whole lot here recently. You, along with several of your colleagues, had a story earlier in the week where kind of the big takeaway was, I think it's a done deal if he gets an NFL offer. I mean, that that is what you know a source indicated close to Harbaugh on that front. Um, does this statement that was released yesterday by Jim Harbaugh change any of you or your colleagues' thinking on that? I it, I don't. It didn't change mine. Um, just because it was the same thing that Jim Harbaugh had said, you know, in, in early December, uh, he was reiterating it, and and it certainly it it tells you at this point that nothing has changed necessarily in his mind, but also, you know, we're, we're still pretty early in the, in the NFL hiring cycle. You know, the, the, the real action of the NFL hiring cycle hasn't happened yet. So uh, that, that statement, I think, you know, it, it, it's, I would, won't say that it's meaningless. I think it's, you know, there is some significance that Jim Harbaugh released that statement yesterday possibly knowing that the ncaa stuff was going to come out yesterday as well uh so i I think it's a useful piece of information but the fact that that it was essentially just reiterating what he had said uh in early december it, it doesn't really change my thinking that if there is an nfl team that puts together the right offer for for jim harbaugh uh that that he does have a desire to go back and coach in the nfl and and I won't be surprised if that happens, and I'll be even less surprised now knowing that there's this NCAA situation that he would have to work through if he stayed at Michigan. Austin, I was surprised to read that his buyout is just $3 million this year. Um, for those of us that don't know, and, and I'm, I'm one of them certainly, what are his contract parameters in terms of length and, and kind of where is he on the list of highest-paid coaches in college football? 
So when Jim Harbaugh came back last season after interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings, he signed a, a five-year contract at Michigan. His, his average guaranteed compensation is $7.3 million. He also gets a $1 million retirement contribution every year. So if you look at that, around $8 million every year, uh, it, it's not the top. I mean, Mel Tucker at Michigan State is, is up towards $10 million. So you can make an argument that Jim Harbaugh is underpaid relative to the success he's had the last two years, although certainly, uh, certainly he's well compensated. The buyout is small, $3 million in the first year of the contract if he decides to go to the NFL, and that goes down uh, from, from the first year. So uh, it, the contract, you know, the last two off-seasons, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have, have been in contract negotiations. Uh, initially, you know, he, he took the pay cut to come back on a very uh, school-friendly contract in 2021 and then he renegotiated after the 2021 season and if he does stay at michigan it's possible that he would renegotiate again because he's he's not right at the top uh, in terms of of the big 10 or nationally uh but but he's closer than he was in the deal that he signed last year so austin hypothetically jim mercy calls jim harbaugh in a week jimmy man it's jimmy here let's make you captain comes back and he just says flat out, I want to make you the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and I'm going to pay you $10 million a year. I'll give you three-year, $30 million right now. Any chance Jim Harbaugh says no? I don't think so. I think it would be hard to turn that down, uh, especially if part of the pitch is, hey, come to the NFL and, and you don't have to deal with this stuff that you have to deal with in college football right now. I mean, it's hard to be a college football coach right now dealing with NIL the transfer portal, uh, and, and then, you know, this NCAA stuff, it's, it's a very, you know, it's, it's a wild, a wild environment in college football right now. The sport is really changing fast. It's a hard time to be a college football coach. So my opinion is if Jim Arbaugh had that opportunity, uh, I think he'd probably take it. If you were Austin Meek of the Athletic is our guest on the Payless Stickers Hotline, if you were to critique Jim Arbaugh as a coach, I mean, obviously he's a fine football coach. I don't think anybody denies that. But from your observation, is his strength the strategy of figuring out game plans and having his team ready to play, or is he simply, or not simply, but is he more so the kind of motivator that gets maximum performance out of everybody on the roster? I think his strength is is team building. I think his his strength is taking a locker room and figuring out how to get the players in that locker room to give 100% of themselves to the team. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I think he's got a great football mind, and I think the, the philosophies that he believes in in football uh, have, have stood the test of time, that Jim Harbaugh is, is a smart offensive coach, uh, game plans well, you know, instills toughness in his team. That's really what's gotten Michigan where they are is, is he really committed and Michigan really committed to be a team that was going to win in the trenches. They built their, their team that way. And they're 25 and three the last two years and it, it's worked. So, um, you know, I, I would, I would put him in the category um, of a team builder more so than, than, you know, maybe the coaches who you think of as, you know, really brilliant X and O strategist, but I, but I think he's both. You know, I, I think I think he's got a great football mind, but most of all, I think the psychology of, of how to get football players to play at their absolute highest level 
I would say that's the thing that Jim Harbaugh does the best. Again, Austin Meek from The Athletic is with us here on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Last one for me, Austin. Of course, we had this statement yesterday, but it seems like to get to the finality of Jim Harbaugh NFL 2023 rumors, we probably have to wait till every team has found a coach for 2023. Right now, you got three of them, Denver, Carolina, and Indy. But I don't think any statement from Board Manuel, the AD, or any further statement, I guess, from Harbaugh would change it. Signing day is come and gone. I guess you have a February period. But it, it just seems like in, until we get 32 head coaches for the 2023 season in the NFL, this storyline is still going to linger a bit because that statement, in my opinion, yesterday did nothing to squelch any of the rumors. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh could could agree to a, a contract extension at Michigan, and that, that would certainly quiet the rumors. But as long as there are NFL jobs available, uh, and as long as Jim Harbaugh's you know, statement is, is still uh, what he said so far about not knowing the future but expecting to be back at Michigan, that, that certainly leaves the door open for something to, to transpire with the NFL. And he, even the fact that uh, he had a conversation with, with the Carolina Panthers, and that was, that was reported. Uh, look, if, if his goal is to uh, convince everybody that he's not even going to think about going to the NFL, having a conversation with an NFL team that has a head coaching vacancy is, is probably not the way to convince everybody of that. Right. So uh, I I don't think anybody's going to be completely convinced that Jim Harbaugh is going to be back at Michigan next year uh, until his contract situation is settled. And until, as he said, every NFL head coaching vacancy is filled. Austin Meek, the athletic is where you can read his work covering Michigan, both football and basketball, and certainly one to follow as the Jim Harbaugh story may or may not unfold as it relates to the Indianapolis Colts. Austin, we appreciate the time this morning and certainly uh, enjoy the weekend, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. appreciate it. Probably, I would say, some time off after Michigan losing in the semifinals, but I would bet on that beat it never ends, man. I was going to say, especially with the news yesterday, you know, from the NCAA uh, front. All right, we come back here. Let's go over the Colts' draft scenarios heading into Sunday. Welcome to reality here with Spiro Ditas on the call for the game Sunday afternoon. But uh, draft scenarios, where can the Colts select coming up in April? One of four spots. We'll explain more. Matt Taylor in 15 minutes. Hi there, good morning. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Morning to you. Thanks for listening. It is a Friday. Hope you are set for a fabulous weekend here in the Circle City. Pacers in action tonight. Colts, of course, playing on Sunday. I want to thank uh, we... Uh, yesterday, I talked to the United Way, and they have completed. Obviously, I sent a tweet out just to say that you know, thank you to everybody that sent tickets in, and they have partnered up and paired up a number of mentors throughout Central Indiana to take kids to the the game. For those that have donated tickets, we had a number of donations. They are all graciously accepted, and those kids are all excited about going to the Colts game on Sunday. Now. The other big news in the NFL, two of them, if you did not see it yesterday, the good news is that DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills uh, did, he is starting to recover from out of the sedation in which he was placed when, as I, I understand it, I mean, obviously I'm not a doctor, but when one goes through a cardiac arrest, they are put into a medical sedation 
Their body temperature is reduced to reduce the amount of oxygen that is necessary for all organs. And then over the course of about a 48 or 72-hour window, they start to scale back that sedation once they get an idea through a battery of tests where the body's needs are to allow the individual to, to slowly wake up. And that's what took place yesterday with Damar Hamlin. As a matter of fact, we have the audio from the doctors at the University of Cincinnati updating the one, um, you know, very positive and albeit kind of fun thing that did take place in, in terms of DeMar Hamlin kind of tipping his hand to the world that neurologically speaking that he was aware of maybe what was taking place. Here's the news from yesterday. You know, when he was communicating with us uh, last night and then again today, that's been in writing. And, uh, you know, to paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when, when he asked, did we win? The answer is yes. You know, DeMar, you won. You won the game of life. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this. And we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. Again, that was Dr. Timothy Pritz from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Now, the game itself between Cincinnati and Buffalo, Kevin, will not be made up. Could I, could I sneak in one thing before yep. we move on to that? Denny Kellington, Jake. That's the name of the Bills assistant athletic trainer who who performed CPR on the field to DeMar Hamlin, the hero. And, and all of this, and I'm glad that his name is public. Mentioned it earlier in the show. I think around the NFL tomorrow, two games, all the games on Sunday on the jumbotron before the game. Honor each team's medical staff before the game starts. Now, the the one thing about this that that does impact because they're not going to make up the game is what happens. And I had said this like on that Tuesday. Maybe I was a little premature in my speculation, but uh, of hey, if Buffalo and Cincinnati, the reason that so many people were watching that game is these are two teams that directly have an impact on the playoff seating and the way things may work in terms of home field advantage where games are played in the postseason. So if this game is not there to determine those things, then how do you determine, for example, if they were to face one another in the playoffs, who plays where? And I had suggested in that scenario that they should play on a neutral field and I mentioned Pittsburgh just because it's geographically the center, roughly, between Cincinnati and Buffalo. There is now discussion. For example, if Kansas City and Buffalo was the matchup, roughly halfway between those two, just about a mile from here, a couple of blocks from here at Lucas Oil Stadium, the Colts may be hosting an AFC championship game. Yeah, uh-huh. and the banner celebration is being planned, <laughs> I think, early February, if indeed that occurs inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Jake... Ian Rappaport and Mark retweeted this earlier, so you can head to our Twitter account to get a better look at it. But basically, if Buffalo were to play Kansas City in the AFC title game, under the Week 18 scenarios that we're about to see unfold, four of those eight possibilities would lead to a neutral site AFC title game. If Cincinnati plays Kansas City in the AFC championship game, only one of the eight possibilities would lead to a neutral site AFC championship game. So again, Buffalo, Kansas City, 50-50 chance it's a neutral site. We'll know based off the results of the three games. Kansas City's got the Raiders tomorrow. New England's got Buffalo on Sunday. And Baltimore has Cincinnati on Sunday. Um, So there is a chance there that a neutral site 
um, game could be at Lucas Oil Stadium. I did want to mention, since we teased it leading into this segment, Colts draft scenarios for Sunday. To move up to the third or fourth pick, the Colts would need to lose. To get to the third pick, they would need the Cardinals to beat the 49ers and the Broncos to beat the Chargers. Now, do the Chargers have seeding to play for? I think, if I'm not mistaken, the or Chargers does... could be locked into seeding based off the 1 o'clock results. Okay, so so the Chargers may... They, they could rest a little. Right. The 49ers, I believe, have a little bit more to play for. I think it's a, still a faint shot. They actually could get the one seed. Um, now, to get the fourth pick, those two games, again, Cardinals, 49ers, Broncos, Chargers, you just need one of those teams to win. The Colts lose. They would slide up to the fourth pick. For the Colts to fall to the sixth pick, it would be a Colts win plus a Rams loss. The Rams play the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are still playing for a potential playoff berth. Any other result, the Colts will stay with the fifth pick. So basically, if the Colts win, they draft five or six. If they lose, they could draft three, four, or five. So you need... You're cheering for the Cardinals and Broncos. Again, I, I go back to... It's less about where exactly they're... I mean, obviously you want to be in with as few teams in front of you as possible, but if Chicago stays at two, that gives you a little bit of leeway because Chicago's not going to draft a quarterback, one would think. Right, Mark? Correct. 100%. So you need Chicago to stay at two. So, Mark, get on the phone with your Bears folks and let them know. Uh, this is Mark need- Tyton for George McCaskey, please. <laughs> you know, we brought up Colts free agents earlier. You know a guy that I could see in a Bears uniform next year? Bobby O'Carica. Yep. Kind of go the well of the way of Jarrell Freeman, who had kind of a similar type. Yeah, yeah. Know. They traded away of, Roquan Smith. Yeah, they got a lot of Colts on that staff already. So, so a little bit of a void on that front. All right, Matt Taylor joins us here in a few. Kevin and Corey. All right, our, our coverage. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. On Sunday, JMV's got you starting at 9 o'clock from Bullseye Event Center. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, joins us now like he does every Friday. Uh, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, your favorite city in the United States? New York City? Oh, it's the greatest city in the world. Greatest city in the world. Matt Taylor was just there, I think from a technicality standpoint, I guess. Jersey City. Uh, any guesses as the restaurant that Matt Taylor went to last Saturday before Colts and Giants? New Year's Eve night. Where did Matt Taylor go for his dinner? In in your opinion, the greatest city in the world? Uh, Chili's. Matt Taylor, will you share with the audience where you went? Why, why are you throwing me under the bus like this? I mean, it's 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 too early for my brain to function like this. Why, why are you? Why are you publicly shaming me yeah, right now? You know, I part don't understand of, this. Part of me thought it was a low blow, but part of me likes this restaurant because every time I open up the menu, I think I'm opening up an NFL playbook. <laughs> that would be the greatness. Jake, that would be the greatness of the Cheesecake Factory, which was right across the street from my hotel in uh, Jersey City. So I went for convenience. I was in. I was out. I was back in my hotel room by halftime in the Michigan game, and it was glorious. You know, that uh, menu there is about the size of the New York phone book, right? That's right. That's right. And that's the, thing, that's the beauty of it. You can get a nice little, you know, cut of steak. You can get some pasta. You can get a sandwich. You can get a burger. 
I mean, the possibilities are endless. I mean, it's like going to, uh, you know, it's like going to, you know, Disney World for for your appetite. Are you getting paid for this endorsement from the Cheesecake Factory? Listen, as I told you, the two things on my tombstone will be lived a great life of convenience and non-hassle. Amen, brother. Here's the thing. I did read an article the other day that said like 60% of people when they're out of town eat at a chain which i kind of get me and i get it people are gonna be like new york city the greatest food city in the world i get it but like you're there for work so you kind of want something where you know what you're getting into right uh, you know you're familiar with the menu i i totally get it man i totally get it honestly like it wasn't about that like i'm not afraid to try like if there was a a local hole in the wall pub and a bar right across the street i would have gone there i just i don't want to have to think about it. i mean you're in new york city or thereabouts on New Year's Eve, you talk about just like hustle and bustle and chaos going on around you. And I don't want to attempt to get an Uber in that area on New Year's Eve and pay $25 to go two miles down the street. I'm not doing that. I'm going to go right across the street to the cheesecake, fa- cheesecake factory with my boys. And we're going to have a nice solid. <laughs> my boys. Yeah. My B-O-I-Z. Boys. Yeah. My boys. And we're going to watch some football, and then I'm going to go back upstairs, continue to watch ball in my, you know, in my in my uh, shorts, in my gym shorts, and my comfortable socks, and I'm going to get a good night's sleep because I got two kids at home. And you can judge me if you want, but I, I ain't apologizing for nothing. Man, if this keeps up, Jeff Saturday might need to turn to Matt Taylor for the pregame That's speech come Sunday. Nothing go. says nothing S- says Sunday me afternoon. and my crew like a night at the Cheesecake Factory before escaping the yeah. kids for a shut-eye at the Hampton Inn. Hell yeah. <laughs> Matt, the great Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. We do appreciate Matt playing along there uh, and sharing his just great vacation, and I shouldn't say vacation, work trip to New York last Last week, uh, Mate, Jake and I were talking earlier in the week, and obviously there's plenty of reasons to be very critical of the Colt season, how it's unfolded. But I do think anytime you get to the final week of the year, I always find myself saying, all right, which individuals should feel good about their seasons? And yeah. I think when you talk about it physically and perhaps more so mentally, I don't know how you don't put Paris Campbell atop the list. This dude is going to run out of the tunnel on Sunday. Matt, and he's going to play in every single game this season, which none of us would have expected back in August. Yeah, and certainly, you know, as you say that, I mean, you know, Paris, hopefully somewhere is listening to this and and knocking on wood that he gets through that 17th game. But you're exactly right. He's played in, will have played in 17 games this year, which is more than his first three seasons combined. And he only played in 15 games due to a myriad of injuries, and he always talks openly about that. I mean, it's not as if he's suffering, you know, soft tissue stuff, and he's not taking care of his body. He's not in good shape. No, he's just had, you know, brute force injuries, you know, the the knee, and he's had the foot and things like that, and, you know, just raw, raw deals. I mean, he catches that 51-yard touchdown pass a year ago in Week 6 against the Houston Texans, ironically, and, and maybe the biggest play of his career, and then he gets – landed on by somebody on his foot and then basically his season is done i know he came back late last year but um it it basically ended that year so he's got and and to take it a step further he's got more catches and more receiving yards this year than he did his first three years combined as well um so really happy for him and you know he talked openly about it this week in the locker room that he's got no regrets and wouldn't do anything different this year and however it plays out it's going to play out in free agency and he's going to be a big one for the Colts to make a decision on and 
you know, he's played with a bunch of different quarterbacks like everybody else and, you know, in, in sort of this same offense, but yet tailored, you know, maybe six or seven different ways when he's been out there. So it's, it's really hard to get a good gauge on just exactly what the Colts have in Paris Campbell between the instability on offense around him plus all of his injuries, you know, through four years of his career. So he's sort of like, he's still, I think, this, this enigma in terms of potential and what he can be and what he could bring to this offense going forward with a new coaching staff and probably a new quarterback next year as well. Matt, the end of the year is always interesting in the NFL season. Matt Taylor's our guest, the voice of the Colts. He's on the Payless Stickers hotline. You can always tell, and you've seen it in various spectrums, right? I mean, there are when you go into the playoffs, of course, you don't know when the final week is. But, but here we are, and everyone knows it's the final week. I, I think that the, the relief of that for some players perhaps was overshadowed this week by the realities of life when it comes to football based on the situation with you know in Buffalo but or actually technically in Cincinnati but now that that situation is starting to add a little bit of clarity and we go back to focusing on football in all honesty from your perspective can you sense in some of the players within the locker room I know they're professionals I get it but can you kind of sense that to some of them, perhaps there is a relief that this season that has been a disappointment is coming to an end? Well, I mean, perhaps. I mean, I think I, I don't know. That I mean, you'd have to ask them. The, the players obviously would be able to give you a better gauge. But um, I, I think if I answer that question candidly, I mean, I think it's human nature to just sort of, you know, be a professional and show up every day. And, and give it, you know, your 100%, um, you know, give all of yourself to the team and the job, no matter, you know, who your teammates are, no matter who your, you know, matter, no matter what your record is, things like that. But I do think that, you know, probably once the gun goes off on Sunday afternoon around 4 o'clock, you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, just sort of, I think, naturally, you know, compartmentalize into, okay, now the off season's here, and now I need to go about my business in a different way, and I need to start taking care of my body, um, maybe give myself a few weeks off before I get back in the grind of things. Um, you know, meet with your coaches, meet with your position coaches, and um, just form you know formulate a plan to to get better and and to um, again you know make some subtle changes to your body, subtle changes to your game. But yeah, I mean, everybody knows. I mean, I, I think. I think the the half the, the second half of that Minnesota game just sort of sucked the life out of this team. Um, and I, I'm trying to find a better way to say it, but I mean you're you're talking about two offensive touchdowns for this team in the last 13 quarters. Um, you know the defense has sort of you know run out of gas. They're giving up. I mean I think it's at least 38 points in three of the last four games. So yeah, I, I don't see collective quit by any means from this Colts team. But, you know, it's it sort of is what it is, I think. We can all agree with that. And I, I hate saying that, but, you know, knowing your fate, you know, three weeks ago that you're not going to make the playoffs, it makes it tough. But I still think you give credit to Jeff Saturday and this team, and they fight. You know, that, that first half, I mean, the, the first half against the Giants, it's 14-3. to It's still a game, and then they scored 10 points in the last, you know, whatever it was, a minute 50 um, you know, they had to pick six and then the Colts had, uh, had to punt and then they give up some big plays and then they give up the touchdown right before the end of the half. And then all of a sudden it's 24 to three and the dam's starting to break. And that's unfortunately been sort of the theme for this team 
really since the second half of that Minnesota game. So I know that's a long-winded question of saying or answer of saying, you know, I think the guys are still playing hard, but I think where they're at in the season, I, I think it's made them susceptible to some, some big runs where they're giving up like 30 unanswered points three times since that Dallas game. He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. Obviously, it'll be him and Rick Venturi and Larry Overton. Our coverage begins. Uh, JMV's got, yeah, starting at 9 o'clock. Network coverage will begin at 10 o'clock coming up on Sunday. Matey, obviously, um, the biggest goal of the offseason is to find hope at quarterback. You've got to go out and give your organization hope at the most important position in sports. Um, if you were making a list of the most important positions in, in the NFL, left tackle would be pretty close to the top of that list. And I feel like they have found a little bit of hope. I, I By no means am I saying you write Bernard Raymond's name down in Sharpie marker on the 2023 depth chart and he's etched in stone for the next decade. But I think one of the few individual positives late in this year is a guy that came from the Mac and has only played left tackle for two years. He's taken some strides in the right direction. And I think that's really, really important when you're talking about supporting whoever's under center next year. And I think all he's needed or what's going to expedite his growth is playing time and experience for sure time on task and getting all of these reps against some really good pass rushers and just get game experience, right? You're going to, you're, you're going to have a different feel for the game in the final two minutes than you would, you know, at the seven minute mark of the second quarter, right? You get what I'm saying there. And, and the Colts had this idea in mind. I mean, if you go back to the first Houston game, they were spelling, Matt Pryor at left tackle for a few series for Bernard Ryman to get him some game experience because they had this idea in mind all along that, you know, we want Bernard Ryman to grow. We want him to be a a prime candidate to be our left tackle starting in 2023 in his second year in the NFL with the Colts. And obviously it didn't go well at the left tackle position, um, you know, with a handful of guys at the beginning of the season. So they decided to, to go with the growth model with Ryman in there, and I think it's gone pretty well. Now, has he had his speed bumps and his growing pains and his learning lessons? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, they've come in crucial situations. But, you know, I think you can live with that considering where you're at right now record-wise and knowing you're not going to make the playoffs and sacrifice that for the personal growth of Ryman. And I completely agree with you. I think he's turned himself into a viable left tackle, He's only going to get better. He's going to have the entire offseason, again, to tweak his body, continue to grow, work, work on footwork and things of that nature. But you don't just pencil him in. And I don't think you pencil in anybody, um, you know, new-wise in this offensive line like you did um, perhaps last offseason. You know, you, you need some competition at left tackle, and you need some competition at right guard. And, and who knows what's going to happen you know, and a handful of other places along the roster as well. I think you need to have that um, competition exist, uh, you know, as, as, as prevalent as possible. And so, you know, Bernard Ryman has done a nice job of taking steps this year. I think he's got a chance to, to be a cornerstone left tackle. Um, but if you have the chance, I think, in, in, you know, in a draft or free agency or what have you, um, you want to be as solidified as possible along your offensive line with depth and, and possible choices to play well in a pinch for you. But I give credit to Ryman. He is, he's gone through a lot, and people have talked a lot about him. And, you know, he's, he hasn't, hasn't been playing that position for all that long, and it's a big step from the MAC to the NFL. 
but I think week by week he's grown a lot and he's taken a lot of things in stride and um, I think he's going to be a pretty good football player. Matt, in terms of this past season, and I know it has not been a good one, but give me an area where the Colts actually performed, whether, let's say, offensively. Something you thought to yourself after you had your Cheesecake Factory and you went back and you're sitting in the hotel and you're just you're looking back on the year. Great dessert there. And you, they do have good, well, cheesecakes, a lot of them. Um, and you think to yourself, this is something the Colts did really well this year that I think a lot of people overlooked or they didn't perhaps go to enough. What would it be? It would it have to be Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods. Um, you know, those two guys have to be big yards per catch guys for the Colts going forward. If you, if you want to reestablish your vertical passing game next year, it, it has to start with those two guys. And, um, you know, you, you want to get more of that out of that with Michael Pittman Jr. as well. But I thought something that Reggie Wayne said yesterday hit home so well, and he's so right, it's, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is on the verge of 100 catches, but he needs over 100 yards for 1,000 yards, right? So, I mean, it's it's not necessarily a great thing to have that much quantity of, of receptions. And, you know, it's coming on screens. It's coming on, you know, short pickups and possession-type catches. You want to see more vertical, um, you know, passing and completions to help just the overall efficiency of this offense. I mean, again... You go back to it, 13 quarters and only two touchdowns. It's just, it's hard for this team to score. And it's even, you know, it's even more difficult um, in some senses for this team to be in a position to score, it seems like. And so, yeah, next year you want to get whoever the quarterback is, whatever the offensive system is, you want to get those two guys more involved down the field because I think they can be big time threats because of their athleticism um, and their intuitiveness and their football IQs, especially Alec Pierce. He's just a really good, you know, contortionist, if you will, of his body and and can just find those seams and can just go up and make a play on the football. Jelani Woods too, he can too, but it's more in the it's more in the seam, it's more in the screen game and he's just a freak athlete with his size and his speed and, and all those um, you know measurables that he has coming out. So uh, I would say those two guys get him more involved downfield and, and get some more yak yards after catch with those two guys and have them be big yards per reception players in 2023. Good voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. The final one coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And Matt, I guess, in all seriousness, I'd like to focus on the game here for just a second. Um, I do think it's another chance to evaluate Sam Ellinger, and I feel like that's a little bit lost in the shuffle. I mean, could Sam Ellinger be yeah. your backup of the future? I think that's a legitimate question that you have to ask. You brought up Pittman trying to get to 1,000 yards. I know that means a lot to him. I think Zach Moss has run the football pretty well here in recent weeks. Um, and just from a sentimental standpoint, I would love to see a Rodney Thomas interception on Sunday. I'd love to see Rodney Thomas, you know, maybe wear jersey number three. I know there's a guy in the practice squad with that, but maybe he could honor Demar Hamlin with that. Um, yeah. Any other things you're looking forward to on Sunday? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Sam. You know, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's better than nothing. You know, with with three uh, starts on the season, you, like you said, you wanted to have a a clear evaluation on Sam going into the offseason on what he is, what he isn't, and what he, how he factors into your quarterback equation uh, for next season. Can he be somebody that can push to be the starter? Can he be a viable backup? You know, you just, I, I think, you know, on Sunday you want to treat that with 
um, you know, uh, you know, you want all the evaluating eyes on him, um, and you want to see how he o- operates this offense. It's been a wild year for him. He's had seven different positions on the depth chart, you know, between that quarterback room, between you know the number three, the number two, the number one, up and down, so on and so forth. So, uh, just excited for him, and then Zaire Franklin too. Zaire Franklin is four tackles away from breaking. Uh, the single-season tackle record uh, held by Shaquille Leonard. And I know it's it's going to be 17 games instead of 16 games, but in my opinion, I don't really care because, I mean, that's his first year on the job, first opportunity to be a starter, and he's going to set a Colts record, which is incredibly cool. And I think without question, I think he is the leader. I think he is the leader on defense for this team, and I think he's probably the one or two, you know, biggest voices and, and you know, players that the, the rest of the locker room looks up to. He's Gary Brackett reincarnated, right? Like kind of the underdog guy that, that works yeah. his way through and, and just all of a sudden, yeah. five minutes around him and you go, that guy could sell ice to an Eskimo. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly right. He just gets it, man. He just really does just – and I love his story, too. I mean, you go back to 2018, um, you know, he's a seventh-round draft pick and – that first rookie camp for him at Graham Park, he's getting like three or four reps every other 11-on-11 period in practice. I mean, how are you supposed to make a name for yourself? How are you supposed to make enough plays and stick out to, to make the team? Well, he does enough on defense, and plus he's a core special team player at the time, and so he just kind of carves out a niche. He's doing his job. you know. He's being a leader on special teams and things like that, and all of a sudden it's just a classic case of, of opportunity meets preparation and you just run with it and here he is again maybe you know i think one of the best linebackers in the afc and um a potential snub for the pro bowl but that's he neither here nor there but um just excited for a lot of guys personally to to cap off good seasons you know individually grover stewart deforest buckner you mentioned rodney thomas he's got three picks stefan gilmore had a sensational year i thought you know playing you know, 100% of the snaps in 15 out of 16 games. He's actually played a career high in snaps this year. And in the four wins this year for the Colts, he's made four game-winning plays. So, um, yeah, those are the guys I'm going to be watching out for to sort of cap it off with big performances individually on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me 32-year-old Stephon Gilmore will play every single snap in 15 of 16 games, I would have laughed at you pretty much back in yep. August. So uh, another guy that deserves individual mention uh mate i know it's a bummer for you 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 certainly get in this in into this business to call nfl games but you 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 think about the playoff atmospheres in those moments and it's foreign for you know this market this fan base to feel um games that really don't matter at this point from a playoff standpoint but have enjoyed our friday conversations all year long you rick and lara have an outstanding time and it's always a terrific listen so appreciate you making time for us each and every friday man yeah, my pleasure, guys. I appreciate that. You know, it's it is what it is. But you know, like I said, we're not. I always say it. I, I don't have a real job. It's it's fun, and uh, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the significance of the game, it's still a chance to to broadcast football, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. So, anytime in the off season, you got my number. I'm here for you, and uh, it's been fun. I appreciate you guys. I love it, man. We'll get lunch to the Cheesecake Factory coming up in the off season. <laughs> You guys, I, I need that endorsement. You got it. <laughs> Matt Taylor right there on the Payless, Payless Liquors hotline again. Thank you to him. Thank you to Greg Rakestraw, too, who is it's kind of our Friday contingent there, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Um, Jake, do you care about anything Sunday? 
I, I mean, I do think it is another evaluation for Ellinger. And Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, contractually, age-wise, I don't think they should be here next year. Would you feel comfortable drafting a rookie and having Ellinger be your backup? I think that's probably the last remaining question. I also think that if there are still questions in any area of your football team unanswered in Week 17, that's part of why you're 4-12-1. Touche. Or 4-11-1 at this point. Touche. You know, you should know that by now. Time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Braden Smith looked like him back in sectional eight. Fletcher Lawyer looked like a guy that is going to hit a lot of big shots in his Big Ten career last night. Purdue responds. They win 71-69. Threw it into Zach Eady late. Down one. Eady shows the patience and the wherewithal to realize I've got to kick it back out. And Fletcher Lawyer, stone cold on the road, hits the game-winning three. Um, again, Purdue 71-69 over Ohio State. Pretty balanced scoring. They actually shot the three much better than they've shot it here as of late. David Jenkins gave them some big minutes off the bench in the first half there. Here was Matt Painter afterwards on the game winner. We thought they would actually stay. We were just trying to get him one-on-one and then set something up weak side. But if they kept doing what they were doing, then we wanted him to be in place to be able to make that shot. And Zach did a good job of making that thing. I think a lot of people look at things in theory and say, like, hey, your best player's got to take the last shot. Your best player's got to make the best decision. And you can't dictate everything. The other team will dictate some things. They came hard on the trap, and I thought he made a great decision. And Fletch made a huge shot. Uh, Meanwhile, in Iowa City, it was Iowa 91-89 over Indiana after the Hoosiers got out to a huge 20-plus point lead in the first half. But Race Thompson got injured. Trace Jackson Davis did play well, but Iowa able to double-team a little bit in the second half. That became an issue. Chris Murray had 30 for the Hawkeyes. Indiana got really good play from Jalen Hood Shafino, 21 points, but not enough as the Hawkeyes end up winning the game. Afterwards... Mike Woodson was less than happy about a situation where Fran McCaffrey had crossed the midcourt line to get involved in a referee discussion, was given a tee that was then rescinded. Uh, here was Mike Woodson after the game. Cover your ears. I, I'm not even, even going to comment on that because that's, that's bullshit is what it is. You know, and you can, you can print that. Because, again, when you can allow coaches to come across half court into your, your space, that's bullshit. It is. The question I wanted to ask you about that, Mike, was uh, it looked like one of the officials called the technical foul. He did call the tech, and he pulled it back. Really? Which was bull****. Guy should have been thrown out of the damn game. Well, it seems as though Mike has decided to add a little bit of a more colorful language than those that he used to use in his lyricist days, of course, as we know. And we go a little something <laughs> like this. Hit it. It really Seeing is a parental advisory sticker on that one. <laughs> Do you think after wins, this is Mike Woodson on the team playing? Yes. <laughs> so this was not him last night? He had every ref in the neighborhood at his house. He had Spuds McKenzie, Alex from Stroh's. He, he's spot on about Fran. Uh, Fran McCaffrey's a nut. He's spot I, I don't on know. his tone look, too. I don't know what in the world he was doing there late. He should have been teed up. I could have sworn I saw the ref make the tee motion. They didn't really explain it on the broadcast. Having said all that, I was really disappointed just about their late game execution. Of course, blowing a 21-point lead. Um, so injuries are a concern. Lost the first two Big Ten road games. I would say the biggest positive from Indiana last night was the play of Jalen Hood He looked like a first-round pick, scored at a really high level, 
and distributed really well. Nine assists and two turnovers. Uh, Indiana-Purdue, by the way. Northwestern for Indiana. Purdue is at Penn State. That neutral site game at the Palestra coming up this weekend. Tonight, it's Pacers and Trailblazers. A slight favorite Indiana in this one as they welcome Damian Lillard and company to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, You see the all-star voting? First, um, I guess, public announcement of it yesterday. Tyrese Halliburton, eighth on the list for guards. Eighth. I mean, but here's the thing. I did see it, Kevin. But who do you when you look at the other seven? Who, where do you? Well, who do you I put thought he should have been. Who do you ab- take out? I thought he should have been above the guy right above him. Hasn't Lamelo Ball missed like virtually the entire season? Fair, but he's clearly a star, right? I mean, and again, it's only guards and forwards, so you've got a lot of guards grouped in there. And just to reiterate for everybody, the starters of the game, the fan vote is fifty percent, twenty five percent players, twenty five percent media, but the reserves are all picked from coaches. The Eastern Conference coaches will 1,000% pick Tyrese Halperton to be a member uh, of that All-Star team, um, and he certainly deserves that. So it'll be Portland coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, the Hornets at 5 o'clock. These two teams met Indiana and Portland earlier in the year. That was that game where Halliburton didn't play and McConnell didn't play, um, so really kind of hard to judge off that first matchup. The game to watch next week, though, for Indiana? At New York on Wednesday night. Are we going to get Halliburton and Wally Zerbiak meeting before the game? <laughs> the wannabe all-star and the wannabe broadcaster? Again, I was like, wait, He's Wally Zerbiak's hair, a broadcaster? Can you spell Zerbiak? Nope. S-C-Z-E-R-A-B-I-A-K? I believe it's... Say it again. S-C-Z-E-R-B-I-A-K? Is that correct, That's right. I think it's S Z. C Z, two Z's. Yeah, I th- oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think sorry, yeah, right. you missed yes. a Z. Yeah. yeah, man, talk about a S-C- great C Z E R B I A K. Use that on an NBA Scrabble board. Now, can you go with Shashesky? Nah, I knew you were going to go. No, I believe that's K Z R Y Z E W S K I. Remember the first time I heard that as a kid, like that makes zero sense. You know, I was the Allisonville Elementary School spelling bee runner up in 1984. Car fair, what got me, which is you know whatever. Jody Shear, car hop. Hmm. Car hop to win it. I had car fare. I get C A R F A, and then I stop. Sounds like two words to me. I I should have asked for a sentence. Admittedly, I I I saw the scene in Breaking Away where the sales guy has the car lot with all the flags around it, and I thought, well, that's a car fare. So I went with A I R, and then they buzzed me. No, sorry. Now, if Jody spells the next word correctly, she wins. Okay, great. Jody's not going to get it right, and they say car hop. I mean, come Mark, on. he can't find his headset, but yet he can remember the details of the 1981 spelling bee at Alphaville Nursery. Let's not sell it short. I, I just want to be the best Jake yeah. that I can be. And, and on that day, I wanted to, and I wanted to be the best speller, and I got a, a new OP shirt for my mom for the competition, and I came up short. Good news. We're going to give is. away two tickets to the Ball State game. Do you have more, Jake yeah. Audio? He is. A moron. <laughs> Who was I talking about? I don't there? remember. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Pop quiz time coming up next. Two tickets for to tonight's game. <laughs> Worthen Arena. It's Ball State hosting Akron. Michael Lewis's bunch playing really good ball right now. We've been giving away a pair of tickets all week long. It's also Freebie Friday. So no matter what, not only get the tickets, you're getting the Jiffy Lube oil change as well. 317 239 1070. Pop quiz is next. Jake, we got some Shatar Trojans in the building? 
raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. We do. How about Josh that? and John, the pride of Chittard. Look at that. John, a seventh grader, going to be a Chittard Trojan, right? Uh, right now, and we're playing Hangman. He's got two I hands. I saw the tic-tac-toe earlier. I, I don't, I don't know if I agreed with your strategy. Fever. What do you mean? I just didn't like how well, you placed that second X. Kevin, I got news for you. I was doing a radio show at the same time, so I was a little involved. But I guess you. I'm were glad as well, where your focus so. is at. I, What's that? It's always always it nice comes to, to multitasking. Usually, the radio show becomes second <laughs> in whatever you are. You missed doing him last there. week when the sun came out. He got up and he banged on the glass. And you, what, I did, you, what did you seen it like? What did you yell? I forget what you said. I don't know. I felt like Andy Dufresne. Oh, he's like a prisoner. He banged on the glass and yelled, fresh "Hark, <laughs> hark!" And I said, "You need a mental. You need to be." locked up right now what are you doing why i looked at my dad and was like wait you listened when i was not on air he's like oh yeah you know i zero bar i've never seen that much emotion from at 7 a.m it wasn't seven because it was the it was in the seven o'clock hour really yeah i don't think the sun's been up the seven o'clock hour in like months right i think that's why you're so stunned scotty informed (laughs) us during the break that this pop quiz the level of difficulty is a 9.5 scotty said his venom lately with difficult pop quizzes stem from a move you know moving is supposed to be the second most stressful event of anybody's life behind uh, only death which is typically uh, apparently stressful. Well, and I know you have a good friend when they offer to help you move. I would argue <laughs> spending 15 hours with you each week would rank probably one or two <laughs> on that list. Just fine for me. I d- seems to be okay. Uh, Scotty, this is brutal. I mean, unbelievable. Good thing it's Freebie Friday. Loss of a job. I think that's why, too. They're getting too. basketball tickets and a Jiffy Lube oil change. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to stick it to him somehow. That is probably good. Um, should we have our guests? Guests uh, number one through eight? Uh, John, give me number one through eight. Number five, he says. John, why five? First popped up. All right, is that your go-to number in sports? First number maybe? that pops up. Who we got, Mark? Five, Kurt. Kurt. Kurt, what's up? Hey, this is Steve, not Kurt. Oh, Steve, what's Steve. up? Steve. Now, I, I always... Steve, first time hearing your voice I'm in 2023. Confused. Steve, with the new year, are you and Kevin on speaking terms? Or are you guys oh, still yeah. enemies? Um, you know, I'm, I, there's some big tank potentials. <laughs> Steve, do you want hints or not? You know, I, you know, I, I'm always a team Jake kind of guy. Man. Oh, my man, God, it's only the garden talk that they they are simpatico. Every, Steve is one of my OGs, though. Steve goes way back to back when I was on the ground. Mark, floor. I thought you said it was going to be Kurt. Well, I mean, we could find a Kurt. I'm sure there's someone uh, out Steve's here in Central Indiana. Steve, I'll just turn off my mic. You and Jake can talk for the next. Steve, would you eight like minutes. for me that would be Jake, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off with question number you one? You have to ask that question after what he just said. <laughs> you know, I, I I like Jake because Jake has all the prime integers yeah. questions. I love that. Yeah, Steve's aware of my the nine thirty segment, the Jake ego stroke, literally on a daily basis. All right, here we go. Question number one for you, Steve. Five years ago today, this NFL quarterback became the second in league history to score a touchdown off his own deflected pass. It was highly celebrated in his home state of Hawaii. One would assume. Was it Andrew Luck, Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes? Russell Wilson. 
Not too disappointed to hear that answer. On this day in 1951, the longest game, Steve, in NBA history took place in Rochester, New York, when Indianapolis defeated the Royals 75-73 in six overtimes. What was the name of the Indianapolis NBA franchise in 1951? The Pacers, the Jets, the Olympians, or the Kotskis? What was the last one? The Kotskis. It's not that one. The Olympians. Wow. Okay. Question number three for you, Steve. The NFL announced that last Monday's Bills-Bengals game will not be resumed and has been canceled. When was the last time that every NFL team did not play the same number of regular season games? I will tell you the second half of the equation, 16 numbers higher than the first. Was it 1992, 1982, 1944, or 1935? Uh, 1982. All right, number four. I think I always appreciate about Steve with the pop quiz. He's very quick. <laughs> seems confident. I, I do appreciate uh-huh. that from him. Uh, I'm trying to mend this relationship here. I'm trying to be the bigger Reaching person. across the aisle. Yes, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, Boston's Jason Tatum had a 29-point triple-double last night as the Celtics beat the Mavs. Tatum had a, has a streak of 10 straight games, scoring 25 or more, becoming the third Celtic in the last 30 seasons to score 25 and 10 straight. Name the last Celtic to do it. Was it Tatum, Jalen Brown, Isaiah Thomas, or Paul Pierce? Paul Pierce. Okay, last question for you, Steve. UC Soros of the Nashville Predators made 64 saves and a win over the Carolina Hurricanes last night. He is just the sixth goalie in NHL history to make 60 saves in a game. Who was the last who has one of the most uncomfortable last names in the history of sports? <laughs> was it Martin Brodeur, Ron Hextall, Ron Tugnut, or Terry Sawchuck? The third guy, Tugnut. <laughs> uh-huh. I kind of wish my last name was Sawchuck, honestly. That's better than Tugnut, I'll yeah, tell you that Nothing much. against the Bowen last name. You know what I mean? Name, I mean, yeah. Yeah, Jake. I don't right. know, that last name's kind of cool. Excuse me? Sawchuck? Steve, stay, one. stay on the line. It is Freebie okay. Friday. So conversation starter. Let's see if we can <laughs> exude some maturity <laughs> here on this Friday. It is definitely oh a conversation. You know what he says? It's a fake he, ID. <laughs> you know what he says? It's a good he, icebreaker. When people ask his last name, you know how he answers? Hugnut. Oh. That's how. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, question number one. The correct answer. Unbelievable. Native of Hawaii. I believe he went with Russell Wilson. And it was actually... Marcus Mariota. You blew it! Olympians for number two. Scotty, that was at Kansas City. That Titans win? Number three, by the way, when I said the second half, 16 digits higher than the first, 1935. See, 35 minus 16 is 19. Uh, Jalen yeah. Brown and then uh, Ren Hugnut was the question, The answer for question number so five. Tennessee, that was when they still fired Mike Malarkey after that playoff win. They hired Mike Vrabel. Solid, uh, right? Titans or Jags tomorrow night? Who are you going with? Who wins the AFC South, baby? Jacksonville Jaguars. Although Tennessee's pushing all in, obviously. It's Tennessee has been playing the health game. They are, yeah, they now are. it's Josh Dobbs starting. Who? It's a crazy story, him being signed to the practice squad just a couple weeks ago. But Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, Derrick Henry, all those guys are back. So Titans and Jags tomorrow night. Mercifully, somebody has to win the AFC South. So that will be decided tomorrow night. Uh, we will give our Colts picks to the game. I know all of you have been waiting breathlessly for that, so we'll do that here to round out the show. Kevin and Corey. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participating McDonald's for a limited time. One more time on a Friday. Colts are favored by two and a half. Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Is Lovey Smith going to keep his job? That's an annual question with seven different <laughs> locations. Is it I always, yeah, I always thought Lovey would be a great Santa. Yeah, he's he's got a great beard. Great beard. Um, so yeah, Colts and Texans over under thirty eight. I feel like the Colts over under is literally under forty every single week in the NFL. Tomorrow we got Chiefs and Raiders, and the nightcap will be Titans and Jags again. Jags will win in the AFC South tomorrow night, right? For the AFC South. Um, what about Henry? Is Derrick Henry going on? He is playing. Sounds like he's playing. He did not play last week. Josh Dobbs under center though. Does he got one fifty in him? I didn't think Josh Dobbs looked terrible actually, but I, I would agree. And they've had the extra time. You know, they played on Thursday last yeah. week, so they've had a couple of extra days. But I'm telling you, Jacksonville's kind of found something here. I mean, they figured out how to get ETN involved, and he's he's starting to show some form. And Lawrence is really the last six weeks now. I mean, that may all come crashing down, right? Just to go over the seventh seed scenarios in each conference, the Patriots, if they beat the Bills, they are in. If they were to lose, Miami is up next. Miami would get in with a win and a Patriots loss. If both of those teams lose, Patriots and Dolphins, Mike Tomlin back in the playoffs with a win. Well, Mike Tomlin has never had an under 500 season. That's still in play also, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. As long as they win. I know, right? but he could go under 500 if they lose. So he's either going to go yeah. into the playoffs yeah, or the old seventeenth game takes out the five hundred. Looks like Omar Epps. Has, have, have a lot I had of a flight attendant coming home that looked like Mike Tomlin, and I I told him that on the well, way that off. Means he looked like Omar Epps too. He looked at me and was like, "You're not the first person." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I apologize <laughs> for that." I, I think I told you, didn't I, that I was on a flight next to Tyrone Willingham. Oh, he always would put the one in the air after they scored touchdowns. And, uh, looks so stoic. I, I may have told you this. The flight attendant came up. This was probably. Eight months after he had been fired by Notre Dame. And the flight attendant came up and said, excuse me, coach, is there any way that you can sign something for me? And he said, sure. And she gave him like a sheet of paper. And said, my husband's name's you know, Mark or whatever. And he signs it and she said, they told me you're the Notre Dame coach and my husband will be thrilled and he is so glad they fired that last guy. <laughs> She walks yeah, he, away. She walks oh away. He God. just looks at me. I look at him. <laughs> I shrug my shoulders. Okay, could not have been a nicer guy. Who's more qualified to be the Colts head coach, Tyron Willingham or Jeff Saturday? Tyron Willingham because he's at least coached up through the ranks, right? My uh, mom did that with Mike Davis, the old autograph in the parking lot one time down Assembly Hall. Mike Davis was, I think, like playing catch with, is it Antoine? Is that his Antoine, son? Antoine, yep. Yeah. Playing catch in the parking lot with his son, and she went over there and said, I'd love your autograph, and nothing like a little legal pad autograph. That was the only yeah. paper that my mom had in the car. said, Mike Davis could not have been nicer. It's a nice guy. I saw Mike Davis. I was flying to a Clemson game, uh, and I was laid over in Atlanta, now that I think about it, and the Detroit basketball team was flying – they were playing Clemson, and they were flying commercial, so they were on my connecting flight in Atlanta. Literally, the, the plane was like 
myself, one other guy, and then the Detroit basketball team, and Mike Davis. And he could not have been nicer. And he, and we had run-ins when he was at Indiana and I was at Channel 6. He could not have been a nicer guy. Yeah, always struck me as that. Uh, NFC for that final seed. I think Mark and Dr. Mottman are having a party. That's right. Yeah. watch Packers and Lions <laughs> Sunday nights. Packers suck! Um, again, to go over those scenarios, Green Bay is in with a win. The Seahawks would get in with a Packers loss and a win. The Lions could get in if the Seahawks lose, which is Sunday afternoon, and then they beat Green Bay. The unfortunate on thing Sunday being, night. Detroit may be going into their game already knowing their fate, right? Correct. Yeah, but I think they could also. I mean, they might want to stick it to Green Bay as well. Yeah, like, tell hey, that we could to Dan. Knock them out of the playoffs. Tell that to Dan. Campbell. Yeah, Dan Campbell's gonna be fired up. Uh, Jeff has been waiting patiently to talk to us. I believe. Hi, Jeff. Happy Friday to you. Hey, well, good morning, gentlemen. Jeff, did I hear you're a Chiefs fan? Yes, I'm a Chiefs fan living here in Indianapolis. And uh, just just all the news going around, um, obviously um, the most concern for, uh, you know, the Bills players' health. But um, I will say if it came down to the AFC Championship, game being played at a neutral site in Indianapolis. Um, I'm a little bit torn because it would be awesome to be able to not have to drive eight hours to go to Kansas City, um, just uh, drive a couple minutes and and watch my team play at Lucas Oil. However, um, it's just bad juju for the Chiefs in that stadium. Ooh, going the juju route there. Shouldn't the game be outdoors, Jeff, if it involves outdoor teams? I was kind of thinking that. And on grass. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point as well. So I think you know I think you know whatever the decision is, Chiefs might um, get the shortest stick of it all. But you know you still have to go out there and play. So just Jeff, a little how, nervous. How did about you that. become a Chiefs fan? Um, I actually lived out there for seven years um, through the through the bad seasons. Um, uh, where, I, where about like uh, Raytown, Overland Park, Olathe, Lenexa? Uh, close Independence, just a little yeah, bit east of east of the stadium there. But uh, I actually grew up a big Packers fan. Sorry, Packers. Uh, <laughs> Mark, come on, it's fandom. I was, wait, I was waiting for that. It, I grew up a big Packers fan and a household of Bears fans. But uh, how old a fella are you? Where'd Jeff? you go wrong then? What He's happened? He's the to iconoclast you? of the family, Mark. Yeah. Clearly, you know, I, I had to be that kid right. running around the house on Sunday mornings, kind of. You know, how old a fella are you, Jeff? Uh, 44. Okay, and so you lived in Independence as an adult? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, obviously you were getting out with your Independence, so that's good. That fits. And then, did you have, like, season tickets to the Chiefs? Because Arrowhead's a pretty cool place. Um, I did not, but um, I was kind of begged uh, from my former company to uh, move to Kansas City from Memphis. And uh, so I did that, and one of my prizes was uh, tickets to, it was actually uh, Chiefs-Colts game. I think the final score was like 45-35, a high-scoring game. Uh, Trent Green, uh, Peyton Manning going back at it in the day. But I actually wore a Packers sweatshirt. It was a Halloween game day. (laughs) You were that guy, huh? You are an iconoclast. <laughs> I was that guy, but I had a couple old ladies behind me kept just harassing me the whole game, but they kept feeding me cookies. and uh, <laughs> just Was it my mom of, sitting behind you? <laughs> Jeff I mean, easily swayed. I don't know. Yeah. Je- Jeff, I don't did, approve of that shirt, but here's a snickerdoodle. <laughs> Jeff, did you go to the Colts-Chiefs playoff game here back in 2013? 
Um, I did not, but I worked a block and a half from the stadium. So, of course, all the Colts fans were harassing me all night. What a night. What a night it was inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Whatever happens, best of luck to your Chiefs. And I don't know if you're native to Indianapolis, but you're living here now. So, welcome to Indy, all right? Yes, sir. Have a great show, gentlemen. Thanks, Jeff. Ian Rappaport kind of tweeted a little earlier. He said... uh, why is Ford Field in Detroit not available for a possible neutral site AFC championship game? Because they're changing out their turf. So that eliminates hmm. Detroit from that. And then he followed it up with said, and by the way, an outdoor stadium for three outdoor teams, the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, is definitely part of the discussion, a possibility at the least. Why not Cleveland? You, Cleveland's a good one. You know, yeah, or Pittsburgh, or you Pittsburgh. know, Jake has said quite well, often. Well, maybe Cincinnati in state, that could be, I mean, I know it's a distance. That's but. why I'm telling you, Pittsburgh is like... If it's if it's I mean, Cincinnati Field, and Buffalo, I, I, Pittsburgh's halfway. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is not way. a guarantee. It'll be a neutral field AFC you know championship it'll, game. It'll all work itself out. There, like, we you know we mean? went over the scenarios a little bit earlier. Basically, it's like eleven of sixteen scenarios would have it in one of those cities: Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Uh, five of them would be. A neutral site. By the way, Mark, I wanted to point out to you, my friend uh, Hans texted me to let me know that she decided to buy the Snicker-flavored... Coffee? Kerrig coffee? Yeah, uh-huh. Two thumbs up, she says. Told you. I'm telling you. It's From good where, stuff. Mark? It's just one of those K-Cup... You can, oh, I yeah. bought them at Kroger, so... Gums. They're good. Kroger's. They're very good. Those no, not Kroger's. There's no S. It's Kroger's. You're in Indiana. No. Okay. Myers, Kroger's. <laughs> That's right. Walgreens is. Ever since the marsh is closed, most people go to (laughs) Kroger's. It's just announced as well. The Bengals are refunding everybody for uh, all fans for the game on Monday nights. Again, Bengals bills canceled. That will not be resumed. So that was just announced from Cincinnati. Um, Gosh, should we give our picks? (laughs) Sure, why not? Very, very reluctantly. Again, to go over it, if the Colts win, they will draft fifth or sixth. If they lose, they'll draft three, four, or five. Mark Dykton, Colts, Texans, one o'clock. Spiro Ditas, Jay Feely. The environment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium will be one for the ages. Your pick. So, for the Colts' sake, and I just, from what Matt Taylor said about them just being disheartening, gut punched from that loss to the Vikings. I mean, the Colts should not win this game. They can't win this game for their purposes of draft compensation. I'm going to take the Texans 17 and the Colts 14. It'll be a barn burner. I'm going to take Slamming Sammy. I'm taking the Colts 20-16. to 16. Sam Ellinger has a moment or two. Um, I don't know why. I'm picking the Colts, to be honest with you. So they're going to mess up their draft status a little bit? Well, I mean, Houston is going to mess it up a whole lot more if they go out and win. I'm telling you, Lovey's going to get those boys to play on Sunday. So we'll see. Jeff Saturday's resume, I think, will be 2-6. and And obviously, the big picture questions will begin in earnest coming up on Monday. Uh, NFL now talking, by the way, about the possibility of adding an eighth AFC team and eliminating a bye. I I thought they said no to that. that. Yeah, I I heard there was no talk of that. Um, I think Ian Rappaport also followed that up. Said there was never a discussion of that. That was that, a that was an initial report, but it was quickly shot down. Uh, I didn't look at the timing on this. Hang on just a second. Uh, yeah, you're right. That does look like it was from yesterday. So my apologies. Um, the winner in the game on Sunday. Did you give a score, Kevin? Yeah, it went 2016. Colts. I said 17. Blue 17, storms 17. the field. Goalposts come down. The the winner in in the game. The winner on Sunday. Um, the fans of the city of Indianapolis that have had to watch the Colts all year long. It is mercifully done. It is over. 
and we can move on with picking up the pieces. Those are the real winners. And the fact that the Colts are going to win an absolute tug of war, nine to six. <laughs> I kind of like Scotty now that I Scotty just wrote up on the board twenty to twenty. How about another tie? <laughs> That's right. I think we need to root for that, but that means you got to watch an extra ten minutes. I, you know, I don't know if we can handle that. Uh, everybody have a great Friday. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll talk to you Monday. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.